Welcome to another edition of Indie Wrestling Guide, your guide to the best and worst in independent wrestling. I am Jay Hawk. I'm joined by Jay Gold. Hey, Marky. Hi. And Mr. Internet himself, Charlie Butters. Well, I guess we're just not sponsored by the Mysterious Benefactors anymore, Jared. I I, I completely forgot to throw that in. Thank Way you to go, Jared. Me. Way to go. Don't mess Glad with the, the sponsors. sponsors. Love the sponsors. Uh, love us. They're and mysterious. They, they, already, they could do anything to us. We can't piss them off. They, they already paid for the hosting bill for the year. Now you're just going to fucking do that to them. That makes sense. Good job. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm working. I've been up for fucking 18 hours with no sleep. I got to get up in like less than six. So you'll, you'll forgive me if, I, if I'm not 100% there this I, evening. I feel, like, I feel like Butters was just taking a little bit of his frustration from his internet out on you there just for a second. I feel I like uh, you should be a pro, Jared, and take a nap like everybody else does when they get out of work at two thirty in the afternoon or two o'clock. I would in love the to fucking do that. Come every time I lie down to take a nap, I couldn't I do off. My wife ha- somehow knows I'm fucking trying to nap and, and called me. See, I agree yeah. with him there. That's what silence is for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. That is spoken by somebody who's not married. You don't fucking put your phone silent when your wife's not. Oh, absolutely. You absolutely do. That's I do it all the time. That's hot girl shit. <laughs> Jay Gold, back me up here. I, I well, so I, I'm in a little different, a little different uh, uh, situation. My wife doesn't want to hear my voice, so she normally doesn't call me. <laughs> <laughs> she just, <laughs> she's normally like, I've had enough of you for the day. The minute I wake up, so it's all like, good. Like, like about the time I got home, she sent me a text. I'm gonna stop after work to pick up some dog food to get something for dinner. I write back, okay, cool. And I put the phone down and I lie down and I've only got it on vibrate anyway. Like I never have my volume up on it, but I can hear the fucking thing vibrate. Well, that's well, just inexcusable. But I will I will say this. Well, you uh, you always sound ready food. to go. What did you have for dinner? Yeah, I had Lagania. I don't know about anybody else. I, I, I will say, Jayhawk, you always sound ready to go, even though you're super tired. She is she a kibbles and bits girl or what is she? <laughs> we We do have a dog. <laughs> i know she sh- she probably shares with it yeah probably you know what this <laughs> no uh, nope. the, the, uh, i i hope the way faith the lagani because she cooked the goddamn thing uh, okay she sprinkled, well, so, she sprinkled like some talk- kibbles and bits on top of it probably <laughs> i'd like to no, talk it, about no, some it, wrestling um, <laughs> those of you who may not be getting the fork once the show come out anything going on right right um uh, it was my birthday this weekend happy birthday mars happy belated it was a good time. Uh, my mom came in town from from New York. Uh, oh, from two, Long Island? Yes. There's well, she's in Albany now. Oh wow! Okay. There's uh, two takeaways. She asked about the podcast because I share on all social media, even Facebook. And yeah, I'm really glad she has no idea how podcasts work out or how to like listen to them. So that's like a sigh of relief. Uh, takeaway number two is next time I think I've convinced her to come. She's going to come with an AIW show. I'm going to take my mom to an AIW show. Oh, nice. That's awesome. You should also give her a discount code to the OnlyFans, I guess. <laughs> Jared, I, I was calling your wife a bitch if you didn't catch that. Uh, uh, so I, I was hoping I, you I, caught that. I, 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 ca- I caught that. I'm trying to not acknowledge. <sighs> You're silently agreeing, so that's all that matters. <laughs> Are we having two different conversations here? Because I, I saw Marcy just turn red over there the other in our other little box while you were too busy insulting our your friend Jayhawk over there, Butters. In fairness, she probably. In fairness, she's not going to look into the unless I put it on in the car, and there's no way I'm putting the con in the car. No, that's all right. It's not anything I wouldn't say to her face. So that's fine. That's <laughs> the, 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 He's done it before, actually. No. Uh, yeah, the friend she, everybody she, needs. She, she sends. She she gets on his uh, 
messenger and sends me all kinds of shit and, and harasses me. So I have to give it, you know, I gotta, gotta get my shots in when I can. I get it. I get it. If I, if I may, I want to just let our, our listeners know that I did go to the creative pro show this weekend. Um, and a super friend of the show and, and IW guide favorite, uh, CPA won the creative pro tag titles this weekend. So Jay I Gold, thought that was not, fun. Nobody's here for, for that part of the dirt. We, we love CPA, but tell us about a Rye being on some fucking drugs <laughs> out of his mind in the bathroom. That's what we, everybody's here to listen. We, to. we need okay, the hot so, details. So look, if I could, this is just, this is just my opinion. If you watch back the match, Alex Riley, a.k.a. Kevin Kiley. Honestly, the dude looked like he was on something. I, I, I was very concerned, okay, with that, with the way he looked in the ring. I did not under, I, I don't know if that's his jam or uh, he didn't have any, there was no intensity. Remember how intense uh, Alex Riley was? And then in the restroom, um, he was in the restroom uh, uh, deep inhaling <sighs> uh, as he was standing over the toilet. So, I don't know what was going on last night. Maybe he was, was doing poppers. When, <laughs> I was very concerned I, I, I know for when, Alex Riley. I know when Josh is concerned for me, he laughs hysterically, and that's what we heard <laughs> off the air was just Josh laughing hysterically while telling us the story. No, uh, I am trying to cool, prevent so. a lawsuit because it is it is it is, you know, it is just allegedly. I am trying to prevent any kind of it's of, fine. It's know. fine, A-Ri. Drugs are cool. We we think drugs are cool on this podcast. <laughs> Right now, well, Jared, Jared, Jared has a balloon of heroin shoved up his ass, so it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's, that's oh, how we party Lord. on IW Guide. Uh, it's yes, the Cool Kids so, podcast now that Pod Van Dam uh, took too much ketamine and passed away. So it's up to us now to <laughs> passed away. Yeah, the, the Pod <laughs> Pod Van Done. They're gone. They oh, they yeah. OD'd on coke and oh, ketamine and whatever else. They're gone. We're here to pick up the spiritual successor to that podcast. Correct. And, uh, that, just, I, that that is true. Can I suggest the official the official drug of uh, indie wrestling guide VMDMA? Uh, yeah, I'm I like totally that fine with that. Yeah, I mean, as long as it's not anything that's going to loosen my butthole up, I think we're cool. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think ketamine I mean, is probably a problem. Yeah, I mean, you know, no, I'm not whatever, whatever, whatever the night strikes me, you know, if, you know, Marcy, you and I, and and, and JB are out, and, you know, want to do some MDMA and. Do some poppers and you know see what happens. You know, just it is what it is. Whatever. You excuse me. I need to message the FBI guy that's listening in on my computer and tell him we are joking. Uh, there's, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not. There's no jokes here. <laughs> you once again. This is joking. just hot. This is just hot girl shit. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> this is toxic hot girl shit right here. I, I'm toxic. That's the hot girl. That's what we do. This is what we do on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Anyway, yes, I like uh, alienating alienating the listeners and making people uncomfortable. It's my favorite mean? part of the show. No, but no, nobody, if you're a listener and you don't like drugs, why are you listening to us? So the best way to listen to this podcast is on drugs. I, the only way I could get through a podcast with Jay Gold is on drugs. Okay. <laughs> oh, you sound like someone else who I've worked I, with. I've, I've, I've been podcasting with Jared for fucking fifth, what, five, six years now. There's never a time I'm not on some type of drugs, okay, when I podcast with him. It may be just be blood pressure medication, but it's something, goddammit. Oh, my being goodness. Re- you are- being, real, being real loose with the uh, term drugs, huh? <laughs> you, you, realize, hey. you realize next time we have Young Ed on, we're going to have to have him in studio because we can all do ketamine while we're doing this. Uh, that's fine. I uh, I already said. You guys all live in Ohio, month, though. I'm not, there's no way for me to get Josh, the ketamine. Josh, no. See, Ed. Josh, here's the thing. Buddy, you're coming out to visit us next month. 
We're doing a live episode. We're going to have young ed on and we're going to do ketamine and then we're going to interview the Bitcoin boys. How about that? That's what we'll do. Okay. We'll do drugs with the Bitcoin boys. No, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> oh lord let's 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 move on to what's on this week shall yeah. we <laughs> yeah let this this shit fell off, fell off the wheel go fast hey remember um, when alex riley saw that sign that said push rage he's like nah it was my friend's brother's created wrestler <laughs> that they use for their uh death jam vendetta playthrough <laughs> i'm sorry but def jam fight for new york playthrough that game was fun Good times. I can see why he does all these drugs now. That that alone probably crushed him beyond ever coming back. It's the only explanation. What's on this weekend? All right, let's get to what's on independent wrestling this week. Uh, Fight Plus has a lot of archive stuff that's going to be live streaming, but not a ton of actual live programming. Uh, they do have the... Uh, IKW UK 11th annual square go show this coming Sunday. Uh, look like the countdown show got one thirty Eastern two thirty Eastern for the main show. Uh, probably the big fight plus show this week will be glory pro wrestling anniversary kick Sunday at three thirty PM Eastern time. Main event of that particular card is Eddie Kingston against Mike outlaw. You got Davey Richard, Jody threat, Dan, is, Dan, it, a, War is Horse. it a glory hole match? Ooh, that's the best kind of match. Yeah. I, I, I have not been in touch with Eddie Kingston to, cl- to clarify that. It's not advertised as such. Over on the IWTV line of things, they have a lot of live wrestling on this week. Uh, wrestling open on Thursday and normal. Uh, New Technic Pro Wrestling had their Tech Contender Series 13 this Thursday. Remarkable Wrestling live. Pro Wrestling Magic is live. Blitzry Pro is live. Loker Friday and Saturday, respectively. Uh, probably the big show on IWTV this week is the Beyond Wrestling show called Perfection or Vanity. It'll be at 7 o'clock Eastern on Sunday, February 26th. Your main event of that show is Matt Gaber Jr. against Fancy Ryan Clancy. And we've got an IWTV Independent Wrestling Tag Team Championship match, Violent Against Forever against Miracle Generation on that show as well. You've also got uh, Bobby Orlando, Matt Caster going to take on TPA on that card. Willow Nightingale on that card. A lot of lot of great talent on that show. Andrew and Shane Page. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. With okay. that, let's see if our guests are ready to go here. We got a big a big show and a lot to talk about. Fresh meat. All right, joining us in the the ult- the, the finale of our uh, uh, fresh meat series. The uh, two of the hottest independent wrestlers at the moment. One of the best uh, tag team wrestlers in the world, Dom Garini, and the absolute intense champion, AIW's intense champ, um, Derek Dillinger. Uh, the the professors, if you will, of the AIW Academy, gentlemen. Thank you uh, very much for joining us tonight we're it, forget the formalities we just we're glad that you guys are here um and uh and you know what we wanted to do was have you guys kind of wrap up the um the six to eight weeks that we've had here interviewing your your students um and kind of go from there uh i'm not going to do the classic uh housekeeping questions i'm not going to ask you guys where what all that nonsense 
But what I will ask, and I think we're going to rotate around as far as questions goes before we get to our voicemails, where things are really going to kind of heat up a little bit, is, you know, you guys uh, are are now the, the instructors at the AIW Academy. And my question will be to start you off is, you know, you're both really accomplished wrestlers. You're both um, um, smart as far as, you know, how you, you perform, you know, you understand the business. What, where did you see the transition from actual just performer to, to working in the school and why would you want to go ahead and do something like that? So I'll start with uh, Derek cause he's the first screen I have and then we'll go to Dom. So if you want to just kind of give us an idea, cause you were, I believe you were both trained by Johnny, right? Johnny Gargano. Candice? No, negative. Uh, Dom was trained by Johnny. I was trained by Ricky Page. Oh, Ricky Page. I'm sorry, Derek. My bad. I, I, I know that that wasn't. So let's let's get into you first. Tell us about, you know, your your um, experience with that. And then why? Why? Why do the instructing part? What did you want? Why would you want to do that as opposed to kind of, you know, just being on your own? Cool. So like when me, uh, obviously, everyone's story is they love pro wrestling. So I love pro wrestling. So I'm a wrestler. So I sought out training. Um, at the time, John, I reached, I asked John and Chandler Biggins um, if I could train the AIW. It wasn't, uh, the school wasn't around. It wasn't a thing. Uh, so Thorne sent me to JT Lightning and JT Lightning sent me to Jeff Traxler. And I started training with another promotion in the area. Um, and Ricky was the trainer at the time. So Ricky, it was just me and Ricky. So I just started training with him. And I learned a lot because it was very hands-on. And I think that's cool. Um, but in the process of learning wrestling, I've always studied it as much as I can. And, you know, that's the next step. If you're a wrestler, you should train people because when you're training, you're bettering your craft. Um, so that's where I did the transition here. Dom and I were on a show in Marion, Ohio, and Dom pulled me aside and he goes, Derek, what are you doing? Um, why are you doing this? You need to come to the school. You should try to better yourself, get, get into better promotions. And, you know, it's a hard bullet to accept, but I went to the AIW Academy and Dom busted my ass and made me do all the beginning stuff. And I did. And eventually it led me to here. Um, it had led me to training these people and I love it. Um, a little known fact, I used to coach a my, uh, like a minor league baseball team, a little, little league baseball team. And just seeing development is awesome. Um, so, I come to training every week with Dom and we watch these guys go from not knowing anything to, you know, being the West Barclays that we know today. Uh, Dom, I'm going to pass it to you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. So Johnny and Candace trained me, um, you know, for, for shits and giggles. The, the funny thing about me starting to train was I went to the raw where Kevin Owens powerbombed MGK off the stage. And then I found the AW school shortly thereafter. Um, Dan Maccabe seems to think that's the funniest story of all time. Um, but I came to the AW school in August of 2015. Johnny had just had his first NXT on TV appearance, um, with Tommaso as a tag team. And I remember my first thought was, oh my God, I'm going to go here and I'm not going to have a trainer in two weeks. Um, it ended up being that Johnny got quite a bit more time with us. Same with Candice, um, and then I would say around the end, uh, I would say about midway through 2016, probably around June-ish was when Johnny officially got signed. And the big thing about Johnny at first was we were pretty sure he was going to be on this weird Samoa Joe contract where he could still train us, live in Cleveland, work the NXT TVs and stuff. But then after they won the tag titles, kind of we all knew the rose was off of bloom there and that 
soon he'd be signing a contract and would have to go to Orlando. So I remember about midway through 2016, maybe May-ish, he had gotten officially signed um, and he had been given a date. You had to be in Orlando by this time. So at that point, we lose not only Johnny, but Candace, because, you know, they're a couple at this time. They're married. So I remember Biggins and Thorne pulling me. And at that time, another student aside and saying, hey, we really don't have anybody in this area that can teach this school. Um, it's kind of on you guys. And I remember Biggins and Thorne pulled me aside specifically and said, we know you've taught jujitsu for the last you know, six years. We know you were a high school wrestling coach. We know that you coached high school football. So we know that you can teach. So we, we, you know, we need you to step up here. Um, and that is an inevitable task for someone who had just debuted in March of 2016. Um, not only in terms of I'm still learning everything, but also people in the area weren't super keen on the idea of these young vet, these young vets um, leading this this high level wrestling school. So I will always remember Biggins just told me, pulled me aside, and this was a Biggins thing. He said, "Go to every seminar you can, take all the notes you can." And he handed me a book that Colt Cabana gave him. It was the Dr. Tom Pritchard book about how to train wrestlers. Uh, I read that book cover to cover. I have a lot of highlights in that book. Marino Taniglia stole that book. I'd like that book back at some point, please. Uh, if you're listening, I'm very upset you know, about that. Yeah, I'd rather not buy another copy because they're like super expensive now because it like went out of print real quickly. Um, and it was just kind of from there. It was all just kind of trial and error, going on my own and finding people. You know, the kids at the school around that time would have been uh, West would have been kind of coming along. Uh, you would have had Chase Oliver. Josh Bishop had just started recently at that point. It was just kind of like a lot of the stars you see today were kind of the kids that we had then. Um, and, you know, they stuck with me through the whole learning process of how to become a wrestling trainer. Um, and I remember specifically Ethan Page giving Thorne and Biggins a lot of grief over me being the head of the school, but not for the reason that others were. It wasn't that he didn't think I could handle it. It was, he was upset that I was losing my wrestling adolescence in his mind was that, you know, every wrestler, they get to have fun at the beginning of their career. You travel the roads, this and that. But for me, it was a completely different. I did all that, but then also I had to worry about this gaggle of students at the school. And I had to worry about you know, making sure that the academy we were in, the guys were happy with, you know, the way everything was going, et cetera, all that stuff. So it was a lot, but I would not trade it for anything at all. I wouldn't trade the idea of losing that adolescence to become the adult that I was. Um, as well, on top of that, you learn so much more about professional wrestling from teaching it than just conducting it. Um, and that was the biggest thing that I can say. It made me a better worker. Um, and I then Derek attested to that too. When you teach wrestling, it makes you a better worker. Well, so let me let me ask you guys something. And and I, I I was thinking about this. So this is not look. We're not we're all we're not fooling ourselves. It's not like it's an accredited you know university. So there's you only, guys there's are, only you guys there's are only one of those. There's only yeah, one wrestling that's accredited. Well, right, right. So you guys are you guys are, are there's nobody. How are you getting mm -hmm. feedback as to because I will tell you this. It, from somebody who's not in from your area, from the Ohio area, who watches a lot of wrestling, but more of an older mentality, the guys that you guys put out are consistently television ready. When we watch guys like Wes and Bishop and guys who have gone through their their 
you know, the trials and tribulations. AIW wrestlers are consistently the most polished. I would say now you might say sound like a homer. You, you might be hard on yourself, Dom. I, Derek, I know you guys are too. You're very hard on yourselves when it comes to wrestling. But these guys are consistently TV ready. They're consistently, I feel like they're the most ready to go out and, and be presented. Yeah. Who's who's judging? Where are you getting the feedback? Oh. Is it Thorne? Is it because it, now that it's only Thorne, right? You had Biggins. Mm -hmm. But who is giving you feedback and saying to you guys, look, I, I've been watching this class. You're doing a shitty job. Or who's coming and going, I've been watching this class. These guys are fantastic. Where are you getting feedback from so that you can tailor your lesson plan, let's say, or tailor, you know, what you're doing? Because you guys are putting guys out who are ready on the mic. You know, we, we could say green on the mic, some of the young guys, but the newer guys ready on the mic, ready with their presentation, got a merch game. Where are you getting the feedback from telling you, hey, this you guys are doing the right thing or you guys are fucking these guys up for the future? Um, like, who, how are you judging yourselves? You can start with it, Derek, and I'll, I'll, I'll compound off of Derek's answer. Go ahead, Derek. Yeah. So Dom and I are very hard on ourselves, like you said, but me and Dom talk to each other every day. Um, when it comes to training these classes, we, I, we do have a set game plan of how we want to go through it, but we also tailor the game plan for each wrestler, each person that's in the class, because no one's the same. Uh, we, you could have uh, Chase Oliver. You can have uh, Eric Taylor. Those paths that these guys walk are going to be different. So we work really hard to tailor what's good for whoever's in the class. When it comes to feedback, obviously Dom and I are both very, very hands-on with everything, but we have other people. This is a team effort. Like John, will come, or John Thorne will come and watch. He'll see what's going on. If he sees something that he doesn't like, he'll let us know. Mm -hmm. uh, Duke is very hands-on when it comes to promos and whatnot. It's just literally a team effort. Like, we try real hard. Jocelyn helps. She's at the school sometimes. It's, you know, it's a whole team effort that we work through with these kids. Um, I mean, that's that's my take on it. I'm sure Dom has a little bit more in-depth yeah. in it. Yeah, it, a lot of it comes from John. Um, John is not an every practice guy john's gonna come up you know a little bit sometimes you know once a week sometimes a couple times a month but you know john's gonna let us know who he likes who he thinks has got a future who he thinks maybe in the current gimmick set isn't a future um josh prohibition when he has his semesters that he teaches is massively helpful as well maybe less in terms of the character-based stuff but you know Josh Prohibition has been around the wrestling scene for 20 plus years. He helped train Gargano. He helped train Ray Rowe. You know, he's kind of seen and been in the ring with everybody. So, you know, Josh has a good idea of, of what works in the ring. So when he comes and he does these semesters, he, him and I will talk and he'll say, man, this kid is, is awesome. And then he'll say, eh, this one needs a little bit of work, etc." Um, And one of the things that we did post COVID that, I kind of, it was kind of an old school back hearkening to when I started, you know, we went back to splitting the classes. So it used to just be that we would just train from, you know, six to nine Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then when COVID happened, we wanted to kind of, you know, make our parent gym happy with the numbers of and people in class. So we split to two classes. We did a six to seven thirty and a seven thirty to nine. And then when kind of all COVID restrictions got lifted, Derek and I kind of sat down and we said, you know what, we're going to have a lot more success if we do a 6 to 7.30 intermediate advanced class and a 7.30 to 9 beginners-based class. Uh, so for like when Derek and I, right, currently Derek and I are on Thursdays, our entire 7.30 to 9 class is what we call Beginners 101. It's literally 
the bare bones basics of basics. Um, and then in those intermediate advanced classes, you have to get invited to those intermediate and advanced classes. So to be in those classes, Derek or I have to invite you to that. Um, but to the point of like character development, we kind of say in, in, in whenever anybody asks me about the school in the email I send you, I do say that, you know, Duke is, you know, the kind of uh, the head of character development within the school. And he's got ideas. John's got ideas. Derek and I both have ideas. We kind of bounce them all off each other. But if Thorne comes and watches the practice match and two guys just literally just are terrible in there, he's going to tell us, hey, this is what they need to work on. This is what you guys should be thinking about, et cetera, things like that um, as well. A lot of the veterans coming and helping is big too. The Josh Bishops, the Wes Barkleys of the world, the kids who, the guys who have been through it and know what it's like when they're able to kind of come give feedback, say, maybe do this, maybe do that. All that stuff is a big help as well. Um, and then for me, sometimes if I have a certain situation with a student or if like I think a kid's good and I want like some secondary opinions, uh, I'll send some stuff to Koo and Koo will look it over and, you know, we'll talk about it, things like that as well. Okay. That one's more geared toward you, Dom. And you've mentioned kind of you that Tom Pritchard book on how to train. What part of Johnny and Kenneth training do you, did you keep? And then I know everybody trains differently. I know you got your own way of doing things, but I, I'm sure there's things that they taught you that you can you can your class as well. hundred percent. Um, Pretty much everything they taught me is the way I teach. And then I take little pieces, parts of that Pritchard book, put it in there, little pieces, parts of stuff that I know, little pieces, parts of stuff that I've gotten working with veterans and stuff. Um, pretty much the way class always began for us. And the first thing we had kids do, or first thing Jenny Jenny has ever do is we taught you how to roll. Uh, roles are fundamental for ring spacing, uh, movement in the ring and your footwork. Uh, so you got to get those down first before we teach you a headlock. We got to teach you before we teach you how to lock up stuff like that. And then from there, it's just kind of teaching everything in a uniform order to then getting them to kind of the pieces, parts that make a wrestling match. And even to the point where Candace and Johnny came back one day last year, right before Candace went back to the WWE and Candace wanted to work out a little bit and they watched me on practice. They go, you just brought the same as us, don't you? I said, yeah, like how else was I supposed to run it? Like I, I saw you guys and I didn't really have any other way of like figuring it out. So they were like, holy cow. So I kind of took their way. And then a lot of that too comes from Thorne. You know, he would, you know, when I we were when I was starting out, he would always be like, Hey, this is how they did it, this is how you should do it, etc. So I would I would throw that question back to Derek as well, since you came from a different side of things with with RSP. Do you do you go back? To, or do you reflect on ways that you were that he ran, you know, because you said it was just the two of you. Do you go back and think of that or do you have to like kind of expound on, you know, this is a class of 10 guys. How do I, you know, how do I work this into, you know, 10 people as opposed to Dom who saw the school and it's kind of almost like a continuation of his of the school that was there, of the training that was there. You come from a different side. So how do you translate that into that and is it the same is it similar i mean are you guys uh you know are you doing a similar style so to speak as learning from two different you know two different instructors um it's very like when i think of the bigger picture and look at it like i've been with dom like helping with the school for a very long time so like i know the foul formula um when i was with ricky 
it was like I said, it was me and him just the jump, but we still did the beginning stuff of like, I learned how to do rolls first. I learned how to do headlocks, lockups, like all the building to a match. Um, like when I was training with Ricky, it was me and him for a very long time until I debuted. And then when that happened, that's when the Atticus Cogers and the Otis Cogers and the Zach Thomases came around and Ricky was hurt at the time. So I was very hands-on with those guys and Ricky was coaching from the outside and I was the veteran or the lead student working with the new guys. So it's, I mean, it's very similar. Um, but like Dom said, we are, we have the game plan. We have the formula that we go through and we stick to that formula. It's tailored to everyone. Like Dom and I, we come up with game plan or lesson plans and we email or we message them back and forth to each other. So we have like a set, a routine with these kids. Which one of you is to blame for Artie? Um, actually, <laughs> I, what, about, I think, what about him? What about yeah, him? Yeah. I, I'll because take we, because uh, I can't take credit for that man's brain. <laughs> <laughs> That's his parents' fault. Um, I like Artie. The, <laughs> what about him? the circus strongman gimmick is an all is an all John Thorne thing. He literally walked into the first time he saw Artie at training and said, "That guy's a circus strongman." That's literally what he said. He said, I see that guy like on a fucking like like selling elixirs and fucking like strength elixirs and lifting like old school barbells. It's literally what Thorne said. And I remember we told Ari and he wanted nothing to do with it. And then I was like, oh, sorry, dude, this is probably what you're going to do. And then to his credit, he jumped full bore into it. And you know what? He tries as hard as he can for sure. Thorne was watching he, Pete um, and Pete and was like, I got, I got this idea. I got this okay. idea. Well, actually, no, the no, name no. the name was not from John Thorne. The, the name is not from John Thorne. Okay. The name comes from Worldwide. Yeah. Oh, Worldwide came up with the name. <sighs> no, I give him a hard um, time. I, I do like Artie. I do like him. Uh, he, he cracks me up. He's Dom and I's son. I definitely, I mean, Thorne came up with everything for him, but yeah. me and Dom have to take credit for him. I'm happy, um, I'm happy he's not my birth son because I would have smothered him with a pillow by now. <laughs> <laughs> remember when he was just starting and he was very very anti the gimmick or character that he plays and then he's starting leaning forward to it and he goes up to me and john we're talking well, one training he goes up to us and was like hey guys what should i study what can, can who should i study and, and and out of nowhere out of nowhere thorn goes man you should really study ox baker and then Artie was like okay okay i will and then like Artie just starts messaging me and he's like, man, this Ox Baker match is so good. And then, like, I obviously screenshot the message and send it to Thorne. And Thorne was like, I've never watched any of these Ox Baker matches. I don't know what anything he's talking about. <laughs> I, love that. I love that. Not only did you do that with Ox Baker, but then also Big Bully Busick. Oh, yeah. That, that, or, that's what it was. Big Bully Busick. Big Bully Busick. And he's oh, just, Lord. Oh, he goes, this is so cool. And we're all three like, you've never watched this match ever in our lives. <laughs> I didn't know he had more than one or two matches maybe in his whole career as as that character. <laughs> yeah, that big, bull, big, bull, big Bully Buke, he was around forever, dude. Uh, well, so, already loves him. So so you so you 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 have you create something let's say that takes off like with Artie. What do you do about the guys who it doesn't take off? Like Ooh. what where, where have you where uh, I'm just I don't know how to put it into oh, a question that's... but like you put out, you push out a lot of these. So you had these guys debut, right? The ones who debuted for Fresh Meat. What do you do after a year, let's say, with a guy who is dog shit? He's not going to make it. How do you end that relationship or say it's up to that person to end the relationship? Or do you guys at the school say, look, 
we're just wasting your money at this point. What do we that's do? Me. That's uh, a that's a dom scenario. That's, that's, uh, a, that's, that's a dom that's question. Sadly, uh, so I will say that. Usually once someone is fully debuted, they're going to end up being a part of the AEW family in some way, shape, or form for the entire duration of how long they want to be. They won't be used on every show, obviously, but I mean, we're going to find places and we're going to find you ways to get better. The thing that I tell every kid that comes into the school or every person that for that matter that comes into school is wrestling is what you want to make of it. If you want this to be a two time a month thing that you tell your buddies that you do, and you can go to the bar on Saturday night when you're not wrestling and be like, yo, I do this wrestling thing. It's really cool. Go for it. That's awesome. If you want to chase it relentlessly, like a Derek or a me or, or some of the other new kids we have good. Don't, don't, don't bullshit me and say you want to do the go everywhere thing. And then, only be the hobbyist guy like being a hobbyist guy is totally fine i say this to everybody that comes in the school it's way fucking cooler than church league softball um <laughs> but when it comes to somebody let's say somebody comes to school and they are just terrible you know they they can't roll they're just struggling with a lot of stuff i'm never the one that goes up to them and kills their dream because i don't think that's up to me I think that everybody's bodies could take longer. I think that you could have to train for four or five years before you get good at this. And that's up to you. If you want to keep paying for that, if you think, if you, that, you know, if this is what you want to do, we'll figure it out. I will say that some of our guys in that matter have figured out that, Hey, maybe being a wrestler is not for me, but I've learned enough, you know, through my six to eight months, of the Academy, maybe I should be a referee. Like for an example, Charles Van, uh, Charles Van struggled mightily in the three and a half, months that he was that he trained with us struggled to roll he figured out how to bump just enough but he stuck around he learned match structure he learned all that stuff so at the end of that when he figured out wrestling wasn't going to be for him he messaged me and said what do you think about me being a referee and i said i think that'd be a great a great idea for you charles um i put him in contact with clemens and then you know we kind of moved forward with that same exact thing for porter o'shea same exact thing for former referee Xavier Franklin. These guys, and Xavier wasn't actually true story on Xavier. Xavier could do everything. He just didn't have the memory to rem- memorize spots and things like that. But Xavier could do everything physically in the ring that was necessary of him. And I think that's a big thing. If you can do certain things physically necessary, like bump or move around the ring, you can be a manager or you can be a referee. Um, but I don't, we don't, we don't start off like I just say it out here. I don't start anybody off and saying, I'm going to train to be a referee or I'm going to train to be a manager. We're going to teach you how wrestling works first. And then if you want to be a manager or want to be a referee and not a wrestler, we can make that transition when we get through. But to me, and I will say this, it's not my job to kill your dream. Uh, I would hope that you are self-aware enough that if you see that I've been doing this for three years and I've made no progress, it's not going to work. Or, you know, if you don't think it, but very rarely do we have people that I would say make no progress. And I'm like, Holy, what are we going to do here? Usually it's gradual little pieces of progress, or let's say you've had so much trained for you. You know, we look at it and we say, well, could they be a manager? Could they be a ref? We kind of have that conversation with them. I mean, you guys don't have many, many managers, you know, <clears throat> no, currently. Not, so, currently. so yeah. So I'm wondering, yeah, I mean, like, do you direct guys more towards that referee side? Cause you do have a nice no, you know, stock of referees, well, which no, is why Jayhawk can't get employed. That. It's, not, it's, not, <laughs> it's not necessarily that to be a manager, you got to kind of be a good promo guy or girl mixed with then, you know, a certain look and like, no offense to Charles Van. He wasn't a manager. Uh, no offense <laughs> to Paul Roche, not really a manager. 
Xavier was pretty much a mute, so he's not really a manager. So those 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 ones just didn't fill, fill out. If you ha- can, you know, if we do promo class and you're a killer promo, but everything else about you is just not there, we're probably going to say maybe a manager spots for you. And we've had people that we thought that for that maybe then didn't didn't pan out and finish the program, things like that. So it all just matters. It really just it, it, it's a consequence thing more than anything. Now, I, I want to ask a question of Derek, um, you, you know, being in the production. And I remember seeing you with Frankie and, and with Danhausen and, and Magnum. Did you ever worry as far as your career that you were shifting towards a, a secondary manager role? Or did you always envision yourself like where you were as far as um, as far as the star of that group? Because honestly, when you when you stopped with the you know, with with those guys and, and you kind of went out on your own, your career flourished. So. Where did you see that? Did you have any? Did you? Did anybody? Was anybody can in I, your ear saying you're can a? Can I time yeah. into that for a second? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, when we had the idea of the production of John and you know Derek and I, it was known to Derek that you know you're not always going to get to wrestle, but make the most of your minutes. So I'll let Derek go on from there. But we Derek knew that he could make the most of his minutes and become a big thing. <laughs> so. With the transition, me and Dom just talked about this to a couple students. I can't remember who last Thursday. Um, I was managed so many shows. Um, I was the second. I didn't have matches. I made the best of it. I told myself that I wasn't going to give up. Um, I was still going to school, helping Dom at the school. So I knew if I was going to be around long enough, there would be opportunities given to me. And then when I got those opportunities, I would show out and make the best of it. And I mean, I feel I did pretty good at those opportunities because here I am right now. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, that's something that you have to be real with yourself yeah. and you have to accept. If you don't accept it, I mean, you're just you're just like you're just foolish if you don't accept what's presented in front of you. You have to be a real you have to be a realist, and I know Dom hates that term, but you have to be uh-huh. a realist in this business. Um, John John has always kind of operated the school and had Derek and I operate the school on a simple principle. Uh, the principle is that he is going to give every student in that school just enough rope to do one of two things. Either you're going to jump off the chair and you're going to hang yourself and it's a tragedy, or you're going to jump off the chair, your feet are going to touch the floor, you're going to take the, the rope off your neck and you're going to run around and you're going to flourish. Uh, if you look at how we've run the school since 2015, since I got there, Everybody gets the opportunity to have some sort of big breakout type match of some sorts. And how how you respond to that is the biggest thing. You know, for me, I got to wrestle Zach Sabre Jr. six months into my career. Um, you look at Wes Barkley. He got to wrestle Tim Donst and Eddie Kingston very early in his career. Josh Bishop got to wrestle, you know, a lot of guys that he wanted to wrestle early on in his career. And his first real feud six months into his career was against his idol, Josh Prohibition. Um everybody's going to get that opportunity at some point. And that's kind of what I, I really stress to all the students. And obviously, but the way we've, we debuted the last set with the idea of the fresh meat show, it was an entirely different chance to kind of run as opposed to walk, because obviously prior to the fresh meat shows, we debuted everybody in a scramble, which is a much more controlled environment um, to, to have, be successful. Um, and I can get into that more if you want me to explain that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I was going to get to, and I know that we have, you know, I, I hate optimizing everyone's time, but I, I know that we're getting into, you know, the, the fresh, the, the new guys part of this, this interview, you know, where 
my my question, and Dom, you'll go into the the scramble stuff, but I, I wanted to kind of find out from you how this crop was decided okay. and how you decide going forward which group of guys. Because now, with how successful the school has been, you can honestly pull out classes of guys. You can yeah. pull out and say these guys were all at like when I started watching AIW, it was Bishop's class. Then now, you know, you had you had the members only guys. Now you have these guys. What how do you guys decide who puts it together and how do you pick out the guys and go, that's it. That's those are the guys. Those are the ones who are ready. And let's let's roll. Uh, good question. So the way we were doing it before this last class, the freshman classes, we'll call it now, was our hope was to get anywhere between four to six ready talents um, to debut, usually put them in a four way or a scramble. Um, and that was always the way that John had liked to do it before. Um, and realistically, the reason to do a scramble or a four way is that if you have these guys, they know, or these people, they know a date that they're going to debut. And then you give them, Hey, you have three months. It lets a couple things happen. One, it lets you develop characters over those three months for these people, for these individuals. If they can develop characters, then they know who they are. The moment they hit the curtain, the crowd knows who they are. The moment they hit the curtain from there, you then have a chance to get good gear uh, because first impressions are everything. And having good gear is a big thing. And take it from the guy who wore dog shit fight shorts and no shoes for four, for four years the moment I put gear on, it made me a much more viable person to everyone. Um, then lastly, if you have three months, you know the four to six guys, or four to six people that are debuting in the match, you're going to be able to put together the best match possible. You're going to be able to practice it as many times as possible. You're going to have every piece of logistics down. And that's why you look at like that Josh Bishop scramble when they debuted, the four-way that Wes was in when he debuted, and then that four-way that we did with uh, what is now bulking season of Bitcoin Boys. Those were so good because those matches happened no less than 40 times prior to the night that they happened. Um, so that's realistically the big deal on how that works and why that is able to be so successful now. We took a whole different route with this next class because we thought, you know, Jaylet Weekend needs a different hook for the day show. Uh, it's just like a tag team tournament. It had never really drawn the way we wanted it to draw. Um, so we had the idea to bring back the fresh meat concept, uh, which had been done with the kind of Brian Carson class. But even those guys had all debuted in a six-man tag on a girls' night out weekend. Um, but we wanted to bring back the fresh meat idea. Uh, when it comes to creating a class... Derek will, will, will confound on this. The idea is we want to look at who's ready in our minds, who we've seen develop the most. And then we kind of come up with the idea of, well, are the, we've got these six, what can we do to maximize these six? Um, and that's kind of the game plan, the idea behind it. Do you have so, a, uh, do you have a, um, uh, what do we call it? Like a, someone on the ready in case one of the six is just absolute shit. And you're like, all right, that dude uh, bombed. Let's you? get someone else in. No, standby. Not really. So no. no. So we kind of, and I, Derek and I have had this discussion last week about the next class we think is going to be ready. Um, and I'll give a reason as to why I think these kids are now a little bit more ready than they were before. Um, we kind of have that idea, and once again, it's a multi-month process. It's not like okay, leading up to like two weeks before the event. Okay, it could be any of these six. No, we know the six. We let those six know. Hey. This is probably it. This is your guys' time. Like, let's start shoring everything up. And once we set those six up, we really start ramping up their training to get ready for those matches uh, or what would have been at that time, you know, the scramble. Mm -hmm. 
Um, one thing that we have started to do, and we started with the Arthur class, um, was prior to those Arthur classes, like the Josh Bishop class, my class, things like that, the matches you guys saw us have were our very first actual pro wrestling matches. Uh, Derek and I have kind of had this idea, uh, and this is definitely a, when Derek came along thing, we came with the idea of we start to let the kids take some outside bookings on the premise that they don't promote it first and foremost, because we want their big debut to be with AIW. And then kind of the other idea is you can go here, you can learn to work at a live crowd and get kind of work your kinks out. Uh, you know, we've sent some kids down to like Podunk ass Ohio to do it. I know Derek's been having some guys come with him to Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh area to do dark matches and stuff like that. And that's, that's really the idea is to get them out there to get, let them try what they want to be and get out there and do it. But yeah, I mean, when we have our four to six that are ready, they could be the worst of the worst. We are still going to have them come out and debut on that on in that class. And, you know, let's say we have we only have three and so be it. Let's say we have seven Then we're going to figure out how to work seven in. But usually we try to round the number out at six. And let's say maybe we have six and then we have two guys that are really good but aren't quite there and maybe they'll be there in three months. We'll figure out a way to maybe debut them on like, I don't know, Winchester's dead now, but something like that. We would figure out a way to debut them on a smaller show like that. Um, yeah, 100%. Sorry, not trying to cut you off. Uh, Dom and I aren't going to set these students up for failure. So like when we start having this discussion of who's who's ready, who's not ready, Dom and I will have the discussion and we'll figure it out and we'll figure out who needs to step forward. I mean, I'm not going to name names, but there was a, there was somebody from the previous class that we weren't sure if they were going to be ready. And we started pushing them and pushing them and pushing them and they showed out and they debuted. So it's like, it's all, it's all on the, the individual themselves. And we're not going to send someone out there that's going to fail. Like, because that's going to look bad on AIW. It's going to look bad on Dom and I as trainers and we don't we don't want that. We set a standard and we want to keep the standard for all the students that come across. I uh, go back when you both each first started at the school. Were there any initial challenges uh, for each of you? Oh, I mean, for me, as like I kind of stated, I was just learning how to wrestle at this point. Still, <laughs> I had I was head instructor of a professional wrestling school and one that was highly regarded without even probably 50 matches under my belt. Um, and a lot of it for me was, like I said, just going on the road and learning everything that I could and, and bring back what I could. Um, and that was the biggest thing for me, Derek. For me, I, I wrestled, I was wrestling already actively um, coming to the IW school. I had to step back and I was with essentially trainees um, in that class when I was starting out. So I did all the trainee drills. It was the West Barkley uh, TKD class. That is when I started coming to school frequently. So like I had to, you know, I had to accept that. And I mean, that was my challenge. I overcame it. Yeah, I can't imagine. You said, well, you're half a year into wrestling and then having to take over a whole school. I can only imagine how much like stress that has to put on someone. Atrocious. And the other thing, too, that like is understated is, you know, the school is located in, in Cleveland and I don't live in Cleveland. I live an hour south. So a lot of me, my my deal is I travel a lot to do this. Um and there were a lot of lean times when I first started where we'd have two, one, two people at, at, at class. And that's something I really kind of like stress to the students now. It's like, I am dedicating a lot of time to this. I could, you know, work my day job longer on Tuesdays and Thursdays when I go. So, 
you know, please come here ready to learn, have questions, just be ready to work your ass off when you come here because, you know, this is a time dedication thing for sure. Yeah, now, you did bring up uh, that a lot of the times when a guy first started, they got time to work on their match. They've got time to practice their match. Mm-hmm. Do you guys put any any focus on learning to call it in the ring, learning to call it on the fly, but sometimes things just don't go as planned? Okay, that's that's a good question. Yeah. I'll, I'll go first and I'll have Derek go. I am under the full-on belief <clears throat> that it is possible to have a match that is uncalled. It is possible to have a decent match that is uncalled. But I do not think that you can have the kind of match – that will get you over to a crowd right now that is uncalled. Um, we do stress doing stuff uncalled, but we like to try to have teach them because you got to walk before you can run. So you got to learn how to put a match together before you can do one uncalled. Um, we do also though go through situations like we have a, a legitimate drill. And this is one I took from Johnny and Candice where we have them call a match and Three minutes in the match, I'll just yell, oh, my God, the top rope just broke. You cannot use the top rope anymore. Um, or we'll go five minutes into a match, and I'll say, oh, my God, Derek sprained his ankle. He cannot post off of his right ankle anymore. You guys, But you guys got to go three more minutes. You guys got to go three more minutes. So we'll do stuff like that where you kind of give the absolute worst-case scenario possible. And I, I will tell you that a debuting class had the worst-case scenario possible. Uh, that Josh Bishop debut class, I don't know if anybody remembers this, the bottom rope broke before their debut match. Uh, and they had to do their entire match with no bottom rope. And I just remember them all freaking out and me and me going to the back and talking to them. And I said, you guys are fine. I've watched you guys have this match 79 times. Literally, you guys don't need the bottom rope for anything. You guys will be fine. And they all work through it. Um, we do do a drill and this is one that Derek and I have talked about where there's usually we kind of put them, the kids in there with a more veteranized like person like myself or Derek. This is usually on one of those nights where the classes are lean. If I have two or three people, I'm going to start in the ring and I'm going to ring the bell and I'm going to start not calling anything. And we're going to, I'm going to put 15 minutes on the clock, 20 minutes on the clock. We're going to wrestle for 20 minutes and I'm going to call the match to them in there, have them call it to me, et cetera. And that's a drill that we'll do sometimes. Um, anything you want to touch on top of that, Derek? No, nah, you pretty much hit the nail on the head there with the whole call. Like You said it the best. With the call, You can call a match, but it's not going to be up to the indie standard that everyone's going to rave about. I mean, and I, I'll even do one better. I know you don't want to say it, but like, I think in this current era, if you're on a big show and you call it in the ring, it could be done, but I think it's also lazy. Like it's lazy wait, not to go into I, it with a game plan. Wait, I don't understand why. Why? Wait a minute. Why is it not? Why is it not great to call it in the ring as a like you're talking about? Don't say anything before the match and just go in there and one person's going to lead through it. I mean, Correct. or is it? Uh, like that. And that's or, not good. Or, and that's not oh, good. Or so let me tell you why. Uh, or you all you have is a finish called because so much of the current wrestling landscape is based on spots, sequences, et cetera, that it's not like it was back in the 80s, early 90s, where so much of wrestling, if you go back and watch, is punch, kick, punch, kick. Hey, what's the greatest match from the 1980s WWF era, Jay Gold, if you don't mind me asking you? Uh, Savage Steamboat. And how much of that match is called in the ring? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. That I don't know. None of it. That match was was laid out on a piece of paper by by Savage. It's well known. I think that, you know, obviously those you go back and you have like the flare steamboat matches, but go back and watch how much they're actually doing. Everything in those matches is long rest periods leading into spots that are called in the ring. And 
I'm going to be real with you. Most guys, when they're starting on the indies, are going to have eight to 10 tops. So if you go in there and all you have called is a finish, getting to that finish, you're not going to really be able to sink your teeth into what the uh, makes crowd sense. wants. Yeah, um, that makes sense. I can tell you right now, I was taught to be able to call it in the ring. Um, like, for an example, you could, like obviously this is like an IW Guide podcast. So there is a main event I had against Eric Royal last year or, or in 2021 again at Action, I think. No, it was last year. It was one of these years. Actually, I wrestled Eric Royal. And Eric Royal got to the venue 10 minutes before the match or five minutes before the match. Literally, I had not seen Eric Royal that day. I knew what the, re- the pro wanted the finish to be, and Kevin was on before me. I went out with Kevin to corner him. I looked at the referee of my match. I said, this is the finish. Tell Eric I'll see him in the ring. And we had a pretty decent match that people liked. But I'm telling you, if I would have had you know, time to call it, it would have been different. It's possible. It's just not up to the current indie standard that people want, you know, I, and I know this is going to be like triggering for people, but it, there won't be the gifts of the match. And, you know, people won't be like, oh, this was so good, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, we are big into teaching the kids how to talk in the ring to each other, how if something goes wrong, how to do that, how to change something. Paul London, who we just had in for a seminar the other week, uh, you know, brought up an amazing point of how to maybe change something on the fly. You know, we, you can see when stuff, stuff happens. Sometimes, and maybe less than any IW crowd is everybody's kind of a condition, but like, let's say you go on the road and you're supposed to be the baby face, but they just hate you from the start and they love their hometown guy. You have to be able to figure out that adjustment to be able to turn and be able to flip that script. And we do teach the kids how to do that. We teach them how to, Hey, so you had, this is what you were going to do. This is what you're going to do. Well, couldn't you just flip all that to be a bad guy as opposed to being a good guy and space all that stuff out. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't give that as much thought as I think that made so much sense after after hearing you guys explain that. Yeah, kind um, of piggybacking off of that a little bit though. Like I've been in the back when guy could call in their match, and they're actually going, "I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this." The crowd's gonna pop. You don't know what the crowd's gonna react to. Like, no, don't call. Don't make that part of yourself calling your fucking match. No, and that's and that's a great point, Jayhawk. Literally, um, I can tell you that I have literally had calls in the last few weeks where I've said. Hey, I'm going to do this. And based on the crowd reaction, I'll pin you or I'll let you sell it in the next spot. We're going to judge it based off the crowd reaction. And that's, that's how you should do it. As opposed to saying the crowd's going to pop. You have no fucking clue if the crowd's going to pop. You you could have the hottest sequence. And this is something Paul said, you could have the hottest fucking sequence in your head. But if that crowd's just not into it, or if you're eighth on a 10 match card, maybe they just do not care at that point of the day. Um, So you got to be able to, to cut change and do some stuff like that. Who's the so, guest trainer that oh. you've had in that you've uh, learned the most from, from like a seminar? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I know who Derek's going to say. I know. I'll guess. But first, Dom, <laughs> go ahead. Then I'm going to guess Derek's. Uh, best one that I would say. Well, I know Derek's going to say Chris Hero. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll know that. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, for me, for me um, probably Sanjay. Sanjay Dutt. Um just due to you know his experience within TV, etc., things like that, as well as just kind of being able to him have him work with that. But I'm gonna say Paul London is like a kindred spirit of mine, so that like I thought his was phenomenal, and so like I've already taken some of the things that he taught us and, and worked with those as well. So we're gonna see Dom in a jumpsuit showing off the hog coming up, singing some singing some James Bond entrance music. No, sadly, no. I'll go O two 
biker shorts paul london before i do that maybe i was gonna ask derek how hard it was to wrestle in a polo shirt when he when he used to when he used to be uh manager derek but uh so hot <laughs> well derek actually runs hot so that's even worse for him <laughs> always Marcy, you got a question um, I was going to say, just like from when you all started, how has the school changed like to today, especially with like the <laughs> pandemic? And I'm sure that had like a big effect on everything. Uh, for me, I will let you know that when I started at the AW Wrestling School, um, you you emailed the AW, which you still do. Um, but then you were given this address and you put this address in GPS and you stopped. And it was in the middle of Detroit Avenue. And you're like, what the fuck is this? And to get in, you'd have to pound on a garage door. And then you open up this garage door and you would open it up and there was a ring in there. And it was what used to be a chop shop on Detroit Avenue. Um, right next to it was a massage parlor that, you know, allegedly would give you a happy ending if you paid for it. Allegedly. Um, allegedly. And then you would have your practice and you'd be making so much noise and there were fences out there. So then the inner city kids would be like, what's going on in there? And then they'd start throwing stuff at you. Um, I can oh. tell you, I can tell you that one night we were doing promo class and a homeless man walked in and started cutting a promo. <laughs> uh, I can tell you that the roof leaked at this academy uh, to the point that if it was a rainy day, you could do nothing but chain wrestle because you couldn't run because the ring was so slick. There was no heat in the winter. And when the snow melted, if we had an off day of practice and the snow melted and then it got cold the next day, there were ice puddles in the ring and we had to use space heaters to get them uh, to get them up. There were days where it was too cold for the garage door to go up, so we'd spend an hour trying to get the garage door up. So that initial academy on Detroit Avenue, it kind of made you know men out of us for the most part. Um, when that property got sold to be turned into luxury apartments, of all things, um, we ended up getting a deal with a place called Cal Crowell's Gym uh, in Brook Park. And he quickly, within six months, sold that gym to a bigger gym that we are now housed in. Um, so I can tell you that it's a much easier sell for a new student for me when they come in to say, hey, look at this awesome gym facility around you with heat and not people throwing batteries at you and uh, you don't have to pound on the garage <laughs> to get in. Uh, so that's number one. Number two is, you know, we've made a lot of adjustments and changes to the ring, et cetera, things like that, um, that make people really excited. Um, to, to get in there and start. Um, I would also just say that from like where I started teaching back in 2016 to where I am now, I'm definitely more curriculum based. Like we kind of have an idea of what we're doing. We know what we want to do. Um, I also, the other massive thing is, is we have a shit ton of graduates now that we can show off to people that would want to come to the school and say, Hey, this is what we can provide for you. If you want to come here and you want to work hard. Now I just want to know. If the, I want to know if this homeless man's uh, promo was any good. Uh, this homeless <laughs> man's promo was fucking awesome. Uh, so we had a guy, and he was afraid to cut a promo, and he was the one that was cutting the promo while the homeless man came in, and this homeless man just came in and started cutting the promo, and it was like really good. And I remember he it, the one line that will always stick with me, and I don't know if I've ever told Derek this was. He goes, "My name is not masturbation. You cannot jack me off." I always remember that. And I was like, this is great. Um, and that guy, you can add, if you if you ever talk to Worldwide Marcy, Worldwide was there that night and he will he will co-sign this man's awesome promo. Let's <laughs> do, do some uh, extra research on this. Yes. Believe it or not, that homeless God. man, Brian Carson. <laughs> oh. I don't know, Carson was already Carson was already a student by that point. <laughs> 
All right, do we have anything anybody else have any- before we get to the 17 voicemails? Let's get into those. Hello, no one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. First up is uh, Joe Sposto. Hey, everybody. Oh. It's Joe. Uh, first time, long time. I don't know if I've ever called in before. <laughs> anyway, um, I saw that you have uh, uh, Dom and Derek on the show, and uh, I figured I would uh, field a question for both of them. And that question is, uh, why are you guys so mean to Artie? He seems like such a nice boy. <laughs> uh, love you. Love the show. Love you all the time. Oh, Derek, thanks, Joe. Wanna, Derek, do you want to start or, or should I go? Uh, I'll go. I'll go first. We're mean to Artie because we love him. He's our, our son, and we love our son. Um, with everything in our both of our hearts. Now I'll let you go, Dom. <laughs> I will confound Derek that a lot of the reason why we are mean to Artie is because we love him. I am also mean to Artie because almost everything that I yell at this man for is brought on on his own regard. <laughs> let me let me let me let me paint a picture for you folks of me going to Meyer two weeks ago before joining the swarm to grab some last second supplies for the show for myself. And I get to the parking lot to go back to my car to come home to pack my bag to then go to the venue. And I get a message from Young and MacArthur and it says, hey, Dom, can you call the owner of the multi-million dollar gym facility that is nice enough to rent us their facility uh, for, you know, X amount of dollars per month and let him know that the garage door won't go down? And I said, I will. I said, but please, God, tell me that someone is there with said garage door up and you guys are someone's waiting there so that it's 20 degrees outside and the garage door is not up for this private trading room. Silence. I then call this man and I said, Arthur, I want you to please, God, tell me that you did not think it was a good idea to leave thousands of dollars of gym equipment wide open, leave the door wide open in 15 degree weather and then have me call the man that holds the future of our training facility in his hands and say, hey, my crew was dumb enough to leave the garage door up. And it just goes, I'm sorry. I didn't think about that. We were running late. And I said, Are you, we can get to the venue anytime. I said, if we lose the training center, we lose the training center. I said, get back there, text me when you're back there, and I'll call him. And then, of course, I call him, and they get the tr- garage door down in a matter of 15 seconds. Oh, so, Artie. A lot of Artie's I- issues are he doesn't think. And then he just acts, and then he begs for forgiveness later, meaning that by begging for forgiveness, I have to be mean to him. So there you go. <laughs> I knew Dom was really mad because Dom called me. Oh. Dom never calls me, ever. And I was waking. He called me, and it was early morning-ish, and I thought something seriously bad happened. Two, two and, calls I had to give. I called Derek, and I called Pedro because I had to vent because I was so angry. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, next up is Derek Dillinger, who called in three times. What? <laughs> Wait a minute. Hello, this is Derek Dillinger. I know I'm co-hosting the show with Dominic Greeny, but I'm calling because I have a very special question for Dom. Dom, so I know our students pay tuition for the school. Um, does that tuition mean that they can also work out in the gym, specifically in the physical therapy area, right by our wrestling ring? <laughs> Oh my, dude! Straight up, Derek. Derek will confound this. This happened literally no less than four days after the Arthur garage door incident. 
<laughs> I'm not going to name names, but our our facility is housed at Old School Iron Gym in Brook Park, probably the best powerlifting facility in the state, if not the best, one of the two best. And they are very nice to us. Um, and they actually, in fact, give our students a discounted rate on tuition uh, on a gym membership for this crazy gym. And these other these individuals, I get a text on a Friday where I'm actually at my gym. And I get a text from the gym owner and he says, hey, we have wrestlers lifting that aren't members of the gym. And I said, um, I'm on it. And I was just thinking to myself, and Thorne said the same thing. He said, man, in one week, we have so many people trying to fuck this up. <laughs> I was I was just seeing red yet again. It was like so much red seeing in, in, in a little two-week span that I was like, just please don't let them fuck anything else up. Mm. Right. It's a very uh, nice facility. I've been there for the break room for seminar. It's a very nice facility too, but I better not fuck that up. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like I said, TJ Slomka, the owner of the gym, is nice enough to offer us that gym at A, a good rate, and B, let our students sign up to be members of the gym. If you want to sign up to be a member of the gym, and this is something I tell you right after the rip, and it's in the email I send you, let me know, and I will put you at the front desk because they're they're great people, and they're going to take care of you. So... If you're a student and you're listening to this and you want to join Old School Iron, just go talk to the front desk guy. He'll handle it. Yeah, quit being a chiseler. Yes. And the voicemail continues. All right. I also have a question number two for you, Dom. Um, I know that we have this nice, expensive training area. Um, I know when we do ring rentals, do we also leave the garage door open for these ring rentals? Especially if it's like maybe, you know, seven degrees outside. Can you please elaborate on this for me? Thank you. Well, that one was answered already. Yes, yeah. yes, that was so answered. We, ha- we handled that one. Asked and answered. Okay, and he called back. <laughs> he Hello, did. this is Derek Dillinger again. I know I'm co-hosting with Dom, and I also called already once before to ask Dom some series of questions. I have a new question to ask Dom because I just thought of it. Dom, we've been training a very long time at the AIW Academy, um, but I do have a question for you that I don't know the answer to. And maybe you can uh, explain to us, tell us the stories. Um, but Dom, how many um, of the people that you trained turned out to be referees? How many referees have you trained? Thank you. Bye. Three. Uh, so the trainees that you've had to turn in referees would be three. It would be Xavier Franklin, who is, uh, I don't know what he's doing, but I see him smiling a lot on Facebook, so I believe that he is happy in whatever current life he is in. Uh, Porter O'Shea, who is sometimes on an Arthur MacArthur level of anger levels with me, but that's <laughs> is cool. Um and then lastly, Charles Van, who I love. Charles Van, probably my favorite of the three referees. He's far and away. Uh, there is another phone call I have to pull up because apparently I somehow missed one of Derek's calls. Give me a second here. I could just ask Dom. I remember it. Yeah, yeah. if you <laughs> would like to do that, it'd be easier for me. All right. Dom, this is Derek Dillinger calling in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know that you travel a lot all over the roads. And you like to eat, um, you know, you stop at a gas station. Tell me what is your favorite gas station sandwich and why is it the Pilgrim? Oh, no. The Pilgrim sucks because it's just, there's so much, just everything on it. It's just, there's too much going on on it. No. Uh, If I was to have to choose a sandwich from get-go, they had this sandwich a couple years ago that was like a fried chicken, but it was potato chip crusted and they put French onion dip on it. Now that- Oh, God damn. That's a top tier level uh, gas station sandwich. Otherwise, uh, shout out to the great Dr. Daniel C. Rockingham. Uh, the pepperoni parm from uh, Sheets would always be a go-to back when we used to go to Sheets every Thursday after training. 
a lot of pepperoni parms uh, consumed by the good doctor. <laughs> All right. Uh, up next is Dustin Alberti. Hey, guys, it's Dustin Alberti. I'm uh, calling to ask my uh, good friend, Don McGreeny, and my other good friend, Derek Dillinger, a question. Uh, Arthur MacArthur is very dumb. What's your favorite very dumb Arthur MacArthur story? Uh, follow up. What's your favorite very dumb Sean Mason story? Because he's also very dumb. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Thank you for asking my question. I can't wait to get back on the show. You guys enjoy yourselves. Bye. Oh, I have a, I have the perfect one for both of them that we haven't said yet. But Derek, I'll let you go first since I've been doing all the talking during the segment so far. Uh, I can't think. Let me think of my Artie story. I have a Shaw Mason story. Um, so Shaw Mason, we're just traveling a couple weeks ago. Um, Shaw gets into my car. He just starts arguing with uh, Malcolm Cambridge and they're arguing about vinyl records. And as uh. we're driving, we're driving and in the distance, I see a Dunkin Donuts and I'm driving and I'm driving. And, you know, if you want to stop at a Dunkin' Donuts, you would say logically before you, you know, pass the exit, hey, can we stop? So I'm driving, and as I am physically passing the Dunkin' Donuts in my car, where I can't get off the highway to get to it, Shaw Mason goes, I would really like some Dunkin' Donuts, guys. You know, I'm real thirsty. <laughs> can we stop at Dunkin' Donuts? And I look back at him after listening to Malcolm and Shaw argue for about 45 minutes, and I go, no, you're not getting coffee. We are driving into the venue. So that's my Shaw story. I, I can <laughs> let me think of an arty story. Um, I'll let you tell your stories, Dominic, and I'll say one. Okay, since he just knows Shaw, I'll go my Shaw story second. I'm gonna go with my arty story first. So there's actually two arty stories mixed into one here. Uh, they were both remotely recent. They would have been August, or they would have been September of last year uh, because it was NFL opening weekend. I, I can pinpoint this. Uh, I was booked for ACW Appalachian Championship Wrestling in West Virginia uh, to wrestle our good friend Joshua Bishop. Um, and I was asked, hey, can you bring two students with you? So I brought Arthur and Shaw. Shaw was good on this trip. Shaw was a real mensch on this trip. Did nothing <laughs> to upset me. Arthur, on the other hand, just, uh, okay. So true story, if I'm on the road and I'm like the main person booked, my rule is that I make sure that whoever's driving me, if I'm not driving... They do not pay for food and they do not pay for their gas. I will have my, the promoter cover the gas and I will buy their food just because I think that that's a pay it forward type thing that should be done by a trainer or a more experienced student to younger students uh, because you want to bring them up the right way. So naturally, the show being in a Buffalo Wild Wings parking lot and it being the opening kickoff night of NFL, we say, you know what? Let's watch the first quarter of the game and get wings. It's Thursday night. So anybody who's familiar with the Buffalo Wild Wings promotion uh, schedule, which me and Kevin Koo, very familiar with, favorite uh, post-show snack, you would know that on Thursdays, it's boneless, buy one, get one for free. So I do not tell Sean Mason and Arthur ahead of time that I'm going to buy their dinner. I feel I will be nice and surprise them. Sean Mason orders first. And Shaw says, you know, I'll have the 10-piece boneless, and then I'll do the buy one, get one for another 10 for this. And it's like, okay. Arthur MacArthur then goes, and I quote, uh, yeah, I'll get the 20-piece mild boneless. And the, the waiter goes, would you like to buy one, get one? No. And I just go, no, 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 stop. <laughs> I, said, I said, Arthur, what's 10 plus 10? Well, 20. <laughs> Arthur, what's tonight? Well, buy one, get one free. So, Arthur, why wouldn't you get 10 and then get 10 free? Well, I said, 
I'm buying you dinner. So I'm telling you right now, you're going to get 10 and then get the other 10 for free because I'm not paying for a 120 piece order that is more expensive than buying two and getting one for, or buying one and getting one for free. And it just, just did the Arthur thing. And then a week later, he turned like, well, I was going to get 40. I said, no, you fucking were not the fucking 40 bonus wins. You didn't finish 20. <laughs> so clearly, I was just so mad. And then to double the story up, to go to Appalachian Championship Wrestling, you're going through the mountains of West Virginia. Arthur is a very bad texter and driver. Sorry to piss oh. this out there like that. So after I <laughs> used Rumble Strips four times on the way home, when it's dark out, I said, hey, Arthur, if you do me a favor, maybe not kill me. I'm going to Europe in two weeks. Um, I'd enjoy that. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. So then next thing I know, I'm, I just got approved for TSA pre-check that day. So I'm trying to set up this flight I have in the next morning to go to pre-check. And next thing I know, I hear the rumble strips. I, I look over. Arthur MacArthur is looking at my phone while driving. <laughs> <laughs> Risking all of our lives, including poor John Masons, to read my known traveler ID number and trying to get my fucking pre-check set up. And I just said, Arthur, pay attention to the fucking road. So both of these were on the same night. Those are my Arthur stories. Let's right. fast forward to my first week back from Europe. I take Shaw Mason on a road trip with me. Um, and he was a you know, he was doing everything nice enough, but I we get to the venue and the guy asks, Hey, could I have your entrance music? And Shaw Mason goes, Yeah, do you want this CD that I have it on? Oh, I said, cool. What? I said, you have your entrance music on a CD? He goes, Well, yeah. I said, at what point is there a CD track changer anywhere in any venue you've ever fucking been to for college wrestling, for here, for anything? Well, I just thought, I said, Shaw, I said, please tell me you have it on a flash drive. He goes, yeah, yeah, I do. I was just like, why do you, I was like, why are you bringing a <laughs> CD with you? Like three fourths of computers don't even have CD disc drives anymore. So that one upset me. And then later on the ride, we're driving nine hours through the night from Jersey back to Ohio. And the entire car, including Sean Mason, who's sitting shotgun, which if you guys don't know the rules of the road when you're on a wrestling road trip, the shotgun guy stays awake to keep the driver awake That's to keep the drive. Mm -hmm. Sean Mason just saw logs all seven and a half hours home from Jersey. <laughs> at which point he comes to me Tuesday at practice and goes, yeah, sorry, man. Like, I'm sorry I slept. I just thought that, like, you didn't like being talked to while you were driving. So I just felt like sleeping was better. I said, hey, or Sean. Why didn't you ask me? Because I would have told you, talk to me so I don't kill us on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. I think that's, he mentioned that's, some yeah, of that. Yeah, that's Bishop's fault. Bishop told him that you didn't like to be talked to when you were driving on the way home. That's all Josh Bishop's fault. He told us last week that's what uh, happened. Just, just talk to me. Just ask me. To oh. further the Artie stories. Um, oh, poor so, Artie. So further the Artie stories. So Dom and I run these training classes. Artie will go out of his way to eavesdrop what we're saying so Artie, this is this is a true story that happened a couple months ago dom and i are standing there and we're watching the kids run a drill Artie runs his drill but dom and i are talking about something else Artie goes into full system malfunction the hamster wheel in his brain just stops running and starts going around in loops and he just keeps wandering around the ring after the drill to listen to what dom and i are saying and we finally have enough of it and say Artie. Get the fuck out of the ring. <laughs> and he comes over and we were like, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, I was just, you know, just, you know, stretching out in the ring, stretching out in the ring. Like, bro, just come over and eavesdrop if you want to eavesdrop. <laughs> Ask us what we're talking about. And I'll gladly tell you, I'd rather have you do that than eavesdrop. 
we I call him old satellite ears at training because he's just he's like always like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? It's like I hate to compare him to this because you guys are like, that's so mean. But like, to me, like he's like Farva in uh, Super Troopers. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost it's like the scene, like it's almost like shenanigans. You guys talk about shenanigans. <laughs> like, bless him, bless him, bless him, I love Artie. You guys really got to start feeding him false information constantly. Just we do. We do. Have, you, oh, do I have. oh, I have. <laughs> because there was for a while, for a while, he thought Frankie Flynn was going to debut in NXT. <laughs> 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 that's what we told him i said he went to florida because because he got a deal because he's going to start training at pc they, they want a character development out of him oh my god <laughs> we, told him, we also a- told him that frankie was going to be on the the one of the 24-hour shows and he was really really confused and intrigued how frankie got booked for one of the 24-hour shows <laughs> Oh my god! Oh. I love the freaking NXT it. story because so many people go down to the PC and never get, never get, actually work a show that that's still believable, even if he doesn't show up. Well, and like to bless Arthur's soul too. Like this is something that that makes me mad about Arthur is if there is something that is literally in the most subculture of dog shit indie wrestling, Arthur will come up to you and be like, "Oh yeah, did you hear about the fucking about fucking Moon Dog fucking direct spot the third and fucking uh." Dory Funk uh, Jr. Fucker uh, in Michigan. <laughs> like, how the fuck do I know about any of this? And how do you know? Use your brain to something good. You're smart. I swear to <laughs> a smart guy. Use your brain to something that matters. Uh, Comes up to us all the time with this. Like, you think it's something serious. Like, maybe something's wrong with the ring because he handles the ring. But he's just like, no, Moondog Spot, the 18th is you know not being paid he's not getting paid and then dom and i are like who who are you talking about man he's mad he was on the flyer man it's it's oh like that you have him handle the ring because he's strong enough to lift it with one hand so that makes a lot of sense okay and dustin continues oh, you guys, no. uh, dustin alberti calling back oh, i got a question specifically for Derek dillinger uh you know you're out on the road a lot and uh when you get hungry and you stop at a gas station, what's your favorite sandwich to get at a gas station? Life <laughs> children. I just let us know. I appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the rest of the show. Uh, can we come back on again? <laughs> well, I don't know where Dustin. I don't know where Dustin's got Dustin got this pilgrim um, information. I'm not a fan of the pilgrim. I feel cranberry sauce on a sandwich is disgusting. So I do like. Um, has the sandwich where it has mozzarella sticks on it. I like that one, but that's Derek, my go-to Derek, sandwich. Derek is, Derek is a very similar to a thorn and a no condiment guy. Or lettuce. I hate lettuce. Dom watched me. I don't know if anybody called about this, and I'll just say right now. Me and Dom went to go watch the Cavs uh, play at a bar when they're in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and Dom orders his food, comes out amazing. I get my food. There's lettuce underneath my chicken tenders. And I hate lettuce so much because it's so wet and it gets everything disgusting. And Dom <laughs> watched me tell the waitress, you need to take this back and bring me out new ones that does not have lettuce. And Dom literally from across the table, Dom and Dr. Dan both had a meltdown at me because I was very serious. I hate lettuce. It's well, just he disgusting. Wanted, he wanted a whole new order. Like he wasn't like, hey, go back, take the lettuce off and bring it back to me. He was like, no, needs to be completely remade. And I was like, as someone who's worked in the service industry, I was like, I hate this fucking guy. 
<laughs> you know, you know what happened, Derek? They, she took it back there. She took the lettuce off. She put the chicken back. She let it get there for like two minutes. Then she brought it back out to you. Game fucking Absolutely. order. But yeah, that, that I will always remember that being a thing when we went watch the calves. Um, I don't like lettuce on my sandwiches either, but if I have to grin and bear it, I will literally peel off the lettuce. Like if I'm on a road trip and we stop at Taco Bell, I just know to not even order anything that might have lettuce on it because I, I have a high possibility thought that Taco Bell will fuck it up. So I'm just like, I guess I'll just get chicken quesadillas because there's no lettuce on those. Uh, but one time I actually got a chicken quesadilla when I was with Makabe and Ku in Tampa and there was fucking lettuce on it from Taco Bell. And I remember Makabe <laughs> just fucking cackling because I just told about how that's why I get chicken quesadillas. <laughs> You guys eat like children. It's 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 so I, it's endearing. I, I have a pretty decent palate. I like vegetables. I just don't like iceberg lettuce because it's crunchy water and there's no redeemable value to it. I'll eat romaine <laughs> lettuce, but fuck iceberg lettuce. It's crunchy water with no fucking redeemable value to it. I don't like cucumbers because they're crunchy water with, with no added flavor. Uh, and I don't like tomatoes because I hate the texture. Oh, boy. <laughs> I like all of those. So. All right. Uh, the next call is from Anonymous. Hi, this is Anonymous calling in, and I just have two questions. First, for Derek, hypothetically, what would you do if a girl was to invite you out after a wrestling show to come back to her house to cook you dinner and watch old Ring of Honor DVDs? And you know what I mean? My second question is for Dom. (laughs) Why is MGK your favorite artist? Thank you. What? <laughs> is this even Nick? Derek? This is Nick. Yeah. That's what I thought. So I didn't get to tell you this story yet, Dom. I've been waiting to tell you this in training. Oh, good. But I'll just spill it here. So, so I've been wrestling, and Nick's been traveling with me. So this girl messaged me, and she goes, hey, we should hang out after the show. And I go, oh, I will have one of my students. I don't think that's a good idea. I'm going to drive back home. And she goes, I have some old Ring of Honor DVDs. If you know what I mean, you can come over and we can watch these old Ring of Honor DVDs. And I, <laughs> I know what she meant, but I just want to do that because I'm trying to be a very good human being. So I respond and go, man, I sure love Samoa Joe and CM Punk. And she replies, <laughs> she replies, oh yeah, Samoa Joe, CM Punk's real good. You should definitely stay and I'll make you breakfast. And I just ignored <laughs> the rest of the message and student Nick or anonymous thought it was hilarious because we saw her and she came over and tried to talk to me and i was like oh yeah i sure love cm punk and she goes me too i can't wait to watch these dvds with you and i just walked away from it you know what the cm stands for in cm punk right chick magnet chick magnet so she wanted you to follow the code of honor (laughs) um this mgk thing is is obviously as we talked about earlier like that mgk moment with with Steiner Owens is a big thing for me. Um, but I was a massive MGK guy. I was a massive MGK guy when I was in college. He is, you know, he's coming out of Shaker. And honestly, like the first mixtape was good. And then Lace Up came out. And like Lace Up was like the coolest shit ever to a, a, a young 22, 23 year old Dominic Greeny. Um, and then I went to a party at OU for 8 Fest and he showed up wearing a Chicago White Sox hat. And I said, Cleveland till you die, huh? And I walked away from him. Was what was he going to oh. do? Fight me at that time? Oh, fucking <laughs> um, and from ever since then, that moment, every album since then has sucked. He's gotten worse. Um, I will say he's a better pop punk artist than a rapper. Um, but no, he is not my favorite artist. <laughs> I like Kane of Root Canal better than a punch in the face. But eh, I'll take the punch in the face any day. 
All right. Up next is uh, Hendrix Hawkins. Oh, I almost forgot the call. Um, but it's your boy Hendrix Hawkins. Um, we have a question. Um, just appreciation. I thank both Dom and Derek for getting me where I am today. Um, I know I was definitely on the border of debuting when y'all was talking about our last debut class. I was openly told, like, yeah, you know, you kind of on that hinge. <laughs> um, appreciate y'all for giving me a shot. Hopefully, I made y'all proud and did well with it. Um, today, yes, just thanks. See a lot of China. That's wholesome. That was very wholesome. Yeah, yeah. After, after all that, uh, Hedrick Hawkins, great kid. Um, <clears throat> all the time in the world definitely needs to just shore some stuff up, but I think him and Vic making a tag team has been a great thing. Um, that was just a decision that me, Derek, and Thorne had. And we just thought it would be a way to kind of allow those two to get more work and get better. Uh, because maybe the singles opportunities wouldn't have been there for him. Absolutely. Um, definitely made us both proud, I would say that, for both of us. Um, I just watched him have a sweet match this past week, and it looks like he's getting very confident in the rings, and that's what we just want him to keep doing. Yeah, he was uh, really fun to have on. Uh, all, all the students were really great to have on, by the way. Uh, they were a really, really good group uh, that we got to talk to. So all had glowing things to say about both of you. Makes me happy. Uh, up next is the other JB who called in twice and has a really, really uh, long uh, message here. So, Hey there, Indie Wrestling Guide. It's the other JB here, taking a break from my master's thesis. Um, and before I go work out, two drops in a question for Dominic Carini and Derek Dillinger. So y'all are the instructors, teachers, um, professors of professional wrestling, if you will, for the AIW Academy. Um, in any... Um, job that I've been at where I've had a supervisory role um, and there's training involved, I've always found that there's been aspects of it that I've had to train people on outside of things that I would assume, um, like teaching you know older folks how to export a PDF and put it onto a zip drive. Um, I'm wondering for uh, Double D and Dominic Garini, if there's been any aspect of training or anything tangential to um, the careers of pro wrestler that they've been surprised that that's been an aspect of their instruction for any of the students. All right. I'll see y'all when I see y'all. That's a good question. I have one, Don. I'll go if you want to think about your you answer. You go first. You go first. All right. Cool. So very wholesome story. Xavier Franklin, old AIW referee. Um, he didn't know how to use social media. And he asked me about it, and I sort of walked him through it. And she got pretty good at it when it came to, like, you know, advertising the shows. Um, but the next question, or the next answer I have, is Shaw Mason. Shaw Mason, <laughs> not to dunk on him, I love him. He messages me or would ask me the most randomest questions of all, of all time. He, right before he debuts, you know, obviously he said on the show that he wasn't nervous. But he was a dare in the headlights, and he was pacing back and forth. And he came up to me, and he goes, Derek. I come out wet or not wet? And I look at him and I go, what? And he goes, should, should I be wet when I come through the curtain or not wet? And I go, Shaw, do you want to be wet when you go through the curtain? <laughs> and he goes, I don't know, man. Should I? And I gave him my water bottle and he walked off with it. So I think he used it. I don't know. But Shaw Mason, he's a work in progress. And I know he messages Dom as well. So he's our, um, I would say he's our guy that we teach life lessons too yeah um that's so what we think about this question is <clears throat> a big thing i would say is 
a lot of young individuals when they come into wrestling kind of have no spectrum slash broad idea of what to watch. Um, because you get most kids, I would say three fourths of the kids that come to the school, their main introduction to professional wrestling is the WWE or now AEW. They really, I would say, don't know what the independent scene is. So I, I really, one thing that I always kind of teach everybody to do is you got to watch what's going on around you and especially at the level that you're going to wrestle on. Uh, just because what the WWE is doing is working doesn't mean really much of anything uh, because once again, those are millions of people watching that, not you know the core base of fans that we have at AIW or any other small indie for that matter. So I really stress them finding the indies, studying that stuff. Um, I help a lot of times with match recommendations for people, excuse me, for people, things like things like that. Um, that's a big thing. Um, I think the other thing that is a, a, a thing that you have to teach everybody is everybody that comes through the door thinks they're going to be on Raw or SmackDown in a year uh, to two years. And it's a very hard conversation to literally look at everybody and say, hey, yeah, that's just not going to happen unless you're like a former college basketball player or a former college football player um, <clears throat> and you're six foot three. Um, there's going to be a lot of work and effort put into this it so much so that the other point the other week i literally was like hey guys go find these wrestling books and please read them for me um or now I'm giving homework of like making people watch documentaries about what independent wrestling used to be like prior to the kind of more cozy easier ways that they have to go through now right on all right and he called back with uh, another set of questions hey indie wrestling guide it's the other jb here again with uh one last question for you um, just kind of popped into my mind. I was uh, driving someone uh, someplace, and um, they uh, I had let them have the ox, and uh, they uh, put down put up something uh, horrendous, so I had to kick them off. So I'm wondering for Dominic uh, or Derek if um, they have ever been kicked off ox um, privileges, or if there have been any students that have gotten their ox privileges revoked. All right, thank you. Uh, for me, I'm usually pretty wide open. A lot of times I, I like, <clears throat> am, am fine to let other people have the ox. It doesn't bother me, whatever you're listening to. I'll make the most of it. Um, I will say I remember one time being on a ride somewhere and I was like, during one of like my times where I was like super mega depressed and I was listening to very sad music and I remember I put the ox on and everybody was just like, man, Tom listening to some really fucking sad music. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's it. Otherwise, <clears throat> usually I'm fine with the ox. I think one time I was on like a 10 ish hour road trip and we had listened to like two Bruce Pritchard podcasts and it was probably Dr. Dan. I was like, Dan, I was like, we got to do something else and listen to Bruce Pritchard right now, man. I was like, Anything <laughs> else right now. Um, for me, I am pretty good with dogs, not to hype myself up. Um, but somebody who is very particular about the ox uh -huh. is Calvin G. Lewis. He yes. is very, very particular of what he listens to. He doesn't, he only likes listening to a certain type of thing. Um, it's good music, but you know, he's particular about it. One person I want to give a shout out though, about having really good music taste, which is funny that it's going to be contrary to Dom here. When I would travel with Dr. Dan, Dr. Dan's music taste, oh, musically, phenomenal. So musically good. Dan's awesome. Musically Dan's awesome. And, it, and, and, and there's an old saying, like if you were ever in a car with Dan and I, you'd always, the last song we play on the way home was all Star by Smash Mouth just because it made us laugh. And it was like the, like the home stretch song. No, Dan always had great music taste on the Ox, and I would—I never had a problem with Dan having the Ox. It was just that one time where he listened to like sixteen Bruce Pritchard podcasts in a row. <laughs> um, that's funny. On our way home, or Dan and I's way home, when we would get close, it would be Lonely Island. I know when we hit the Lonely Island 
uh, catalog, we're real close to home. Dan, Lonely Dan Island's Island. awesome. <laughs> big fan of Lonely Island and Kesha. Uh, up next is uh, AIW referee Tom Dunn. Oh, God. Hi, this is AIW referee Tom Dunn. And I have a question for Derek. Derek, I've known you since you started wrestling. You're a little green bean trainee coming to shows. And <laughs> little by little, you made friends with Jeremy, Chris Stark, myself, Eric Ryan. And as a young man in this business... A lot of ribs were played on you. I remember you getting so hot so many times in our group chats that you would quit, and we would just add you back in. Well, my question for you is, what kind of ribs were played on you back during your training days and your early days in wrestling? And as a trainer now, do you rib your students, and what have you done to them? Thank you. Hi, Dom. <laughs> oh god this is a, this is a rough question um so i used to be a really big baby um when i first start wrestling you have to have thick skin i did not have thick skin so i would get so angry in these group chats because i would just be the butt of every joke and i would leave and i would just immediately get re-added back to the group chat and they would just roast me more um so that was a big thing that would happen i do do that to students now um in our, our chats that we have um, but ribs that were played on me, I was ribbed really a lot by Eric Ryan. Eric Ryan would take pictures of me sleeping and post them online. Eric Ryan would take pictures of me going to the bathroom and post them online. Um, <laughs> Eric Ryan once ripped my um, shorts off of me and my underwear off of me at the same time um, in front of somebody I was talking to. Um, so that was uh, a little bit of ribbing that was done by Eric. Um, but for a very long time, I didn't understand what was happening in my gear bag. I would always um, change my gear bag, and there would be little uh, little plastic penises in my um, gear bag. <laughs> and I would have no idea where they came from. And uh, for about three years, um, I finally figured out Eric was doing it. And Eric would have other people I was on shows with put you know, these in my bag. So I was just constantly, every booking I had. So I was real confused about that. Um there is a very big um, rib that I know Tom wants to talk about. It was played by Ricky and Eric. Um, I'm not going to talk about it, so sadly, sorry. It was mentioned on the Stone Cold podcast, but I'm not going to indulge in it because it is very embarrassing to me. Um, ribs I played on the students. Um, I yeah, Frank Flynn got signed. That was a good rib. That was a good rib we played on Artie. I'm trying to think of other ones. I feel like I probably ribbed Kayla or Observational Banter. Um, I can't think of what I would have done to him, but I'm pretty sure I have done something to him. Uh, members only, constantly um, being ribbed from me. Um, I don't want to talk about that because it's funny and they don't know about it. And when they do find out about it, they're going to be upset. <laughs> uh, but I am definitely passing you know, the ribbing down to everyone else. Um, another rib. It wasn't so much a rib, but just plain prank. Um, Artie Mac got his head plungered. It was posted on Twitter. <laughs> I did see funny. that. That was good. That was good. Um, Artie, he is very – there's a plunger. I don't know where it came from. It was clean. There, there was a sales tag in it, so I know it wasn't used. And I was messing with it all day, and I knew I wanted to plunger Artie's bald head. And every time I got close <laughs> to him, he was on high alert. And he knew. He knew. Um, so I know Artie obviously so well, and I know he never passes up an op opportunity to take a picture. 
So I said, Artie, come stand next to me. I want to Snapchat this picture to members only. Um, and he goes, oh, all right. But I've already given Chuck Stone that plunger. So I'm recording this video, and Artie's getting ready to talk to Malcolm Cambridge and Calvin. And I'll know where Chuck plungers his bald head, and he was so mad. So that's uh, that's the funniest thing I've done recently. But, um, yeah, ribs. Love them. I have one. I have one ultimate rib that we played on the school once, and this was a this was a Thorn and Dom rib. Um, so they the kids had fucked up real bad. I think at like a show, and we wanted and Derek wasn't on this too, so we wanted to, to discipline them. But we kind of knew that like everybody had known that they had fucked up, so we were like, oh man, people are not going to come to practice, so we can yell at them and then put them through the ringer on cardio. So Thor and I thought in our heads, we said man, what do we say in the group chat that gets the most people there? And this had been like recently after like the Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano thing where they oh, came to yep. the school. We're like, hey, we, we're going to have a special guest. We need you all here on this day. So I remember us saying that we were like, hey, we're going to have special guests today. Like everybody needs to be a practice. And I remember people were like, Are Johnny, is Johnny coming? Oh, is Tommaso coming? Oh my God, is, is Candace coming? Everybody's like freaking out. I said, you guys will see. You guys will see. And everybody got there. And it was just Thorn, me, and Derek staying in the corner, and everybody's like, "Oh shit!" Like they <laughs> knew it was, it was people that have haven't been to shows. Oh my gosh, sure. you did, it was yeah, people for people, sure coming. Yeah, just people who hadn't shown up because they thought that this was their chance to get on fucking TV. Um, there was also <laughs> another time. Um, I'm trying to think of the one I had. Oh, fuck, I had another one. It's it, it's another very similar. Oh, there was one time where I couldn't be at a practice. Um, so I think I had. Uh, the only person I could cover for me of all people was Steve Guy. So I said, <laughs> I do remember this. I decided to work. I got called in to work late. <laughs> and very rarely do I get called to work on like a Tuesday night, but I got called to work late. And I said, I have, I said, hey guys, I said, I can't make it tonight. I said, I have, I have to work. I said, I have a very special guest trainer coming tonight. And everybody's like super excited. Like people are like, oh my God, is Koo coming to train? Oh, is it Tom Lawler? We saw he was like around town recently. Oh, maybe it's like hot sauce Tracy Williams and Tom's so close to him. Everybody's like creating these narratives in their head. And then I remember Vic Vice messing me and goes, Really? The special guest trainer was Steve Guy? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not as good of a ribber as Derek is. So a lot of mine are, are smaller ones like that. Those are the ones that hurt the most, the little cuts, tidy cuts. I like to plan my ribs very long and played out. So when that happens, they get really mad. <laughs> So that's where I'm at with members only right now. So if they, when they listen to this, they'll know a rib's being played on them, but they don't know what. In about three months, they'll figure out what happened. <laughs> long-term booking. Yeah. Speaking of ribs and cuts and long-term booking, here is Sam from Burlington. Hi, it's me, Stan from Burlington. I don't know if you'll remember me. I'm pretty nervous today. I may have had a few too many shots of the Lord because two of my favorite wrestlers are on the show this week. Derek Dillinger and Dominic Garini. But Dom is my favorite. I talk about you a lot, Dom, when I call this show. I talk about your matches. And I talk about your classes. I like you. I'm the biggest fan. I also like Malcolm Cambridge. So, Dom and Derek, I like to call IW Guide. They sometimes talk about wrestling. Like last week. They were so close to reviewing wrestling. Jay Gold mentioned going to wrestling in New Jersey. He got very detailed. And right before he talked about a match, he started talking about a sandwich shop that had video games, but he got dinner. I mean, come on, guys. You almost got there. But, Dom, you don't know this. But I carry a piece of you with me wherever I go. Yeah. Oh, God. I do. Oh, no. Let me explain. A few years ago, 
when I was just a little Stan from Burlington. I met you in an Evolve show, and after I bought a few pieces of merch, you gave me a purple belt keychain. Now, where I live, they don't usually let me have things with sharpened edges, but I have a secret. Did you guys ever read the Da Vinci Code? Remember the albino Opus Day monk? Well, I normally wear one of those barbed wire Phyllis garters around my thigh just to check myself when I've been thinking naughty thoughts. And I threaded my Dom Guarini keychain onto it. So very often, if I am out, I'm being a silly billy, I reach down and crank my Dom Guarini purple belt, and then I'm sure again. Hey, do you guys want to play a game? I really hope you do. It's called What Doesn't Belong and Why. I'll read you a few names, and you tell me what doesn't belong and why. Great. Let's play. Oh, God. Here we go. Charlie, after I ask the question, you may want to stop for a second and let everyone give their opinion. Here we go. What doesn't belong oh, and why? A. Derek Dillinger. B. Dom Guarini. C. Jay Gold. What the? <laughs> I would. Uh, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say. I'm, I'm gonna say Jay Gold. I. I can only assume that that's the answer, right, Butters? I. I don't know. I don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> I. I'm still in shock uh, about his his secret thing that he pulls on to be here. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh. Uh, all right. Here's let's the rest of let's hear the end of this game. Yeah. Yep. Belong and why? Here's the answer. Even though two of them may nominally be professional wrestlers, and all three are sadomasochistic perverts who mention pegging in their hinge profiles. This <laughs> is D. Dom Green. Huh? Because unlike the other two, he's never had his milky white skin defiled by a tattoo gun. <laughs> okay, gotta go. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I did not see that one coming. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> hey, at uh, least you didn't wish death upon you this week, Josh. He, he tried. I'm, I'm <laughs> oh, thanks, Stan from Burlington. Uh, oh my God. He really uh, likes Dom Guarini. That's I know that he does. Yeah, I'm, I'm very that, creeped out right now. Sounds like he's a big I, fan. D- Dom, he's a big fan. You keep him here. <laughs> <laughs> you need another run of those purple keychain or purple belt keychain. Yeah. yeah, you gotta do the brown belt now. All right. Uh up next is Adam Van, and then we have one more after him, and we'll have been through all the voicemails. Okay. Hey guys, it's Adam Van, the star of At Odds with Wrestling. Today I wanted to keep this brief, so I've just compiled a short list of the top 37 reasons why you should subscribe to my Patreon. All right, here goes. Start with number 37. Wait, what? They got Dom and Derek on the show? I mean, they didn't know that they were going on this show, right? <laughs> well, uh, shit. Uh, that changes things. So, uh, hey guys, uh, yeah, this is Adam Van Volkenberg, first time caller, just a regular guy calling into the podcast. Definitely wouldn't do a bit on an episode with two of the scariest motherfuckers on the planet. That would not be smart. But I do have some questions. Uh, Dom, I know you're a bit of a card collector, a sports card collector. What would you say is your favorite or most valuable card in your collection? And is there a holy grail that you'd love to own? Oh, that's a 
a good question. Um, for card-wise stuff right now, I've had so much moving and shaking, uh, especially like Pat's been kind of like my surrogate of like taking my stuff to card shows and selling. Um, I really don't think I have a holy grail of like what I own right now. Um, but like one that I always wanted that I've never gotten and such a weird card. But <clears throat> when I got into cards, I was like a massively big fan of the movie Brian song. So this is like back in like the early 2000s, like I think like 2001. And I always wanted to get the Gale Sayers and Brian Piccolo rookie cards because they were the same year. I think it was the 1969 Tops football. And I ended up getting the Gale Sayers, but I never got the Piccolo. So I guess that would be like my holy grail of like cards for that regard. Okay. And he continues on. And Derek, I recently got one of your Rubber City figures from Jay Gold. If you could choose what your next figure would be, would you want a micro brawler, a Funko Pop, a retro style figure, or like a full blown elite style figure? Mm, I guess I'll say a Funko Pop. Um, Dave Cole, big beyond beyond wrestling legend. He did a Funko Pop style for me. Um, I would like another one. So Funko Pop it is. Okay. Oh, and Derek, I need an impartial opinion. Let's say, hypothetically, you were the WEW slash FMW <laughs> hardcore champion, and you were set to defend the title against someone in, like, let's just say, pick off the top of my head, a parking lot of a drive-in theater, and then somebody else jumps you from behind and chokes you out. Do you think that title change should stand? I mean, you weren't ready for it. You didn't sign for that match, after all. I don't think it should be recognized, hypothetically speaking, of course, but I'm curious about your thoughts on the subject. That's it for me. Uh, keep up the good work, guys, both in and out of the ring. Okay, bye. I want, you to, I want you to remember that that title is a 24-7 title. Okay. 24-7, <laughs> hypothetically. Um, Ed, Ed Cody from Pod Van Dam, he could be the, the hardcore champion. That's fine. <laughs> Because I think uh, isn't he isn't he on the Wikipedia page where he is the champion? I, I believe so. He was at one it. point, but somebody edited it out. Yeah, oh. it's, it's edited back to what it was, I believe. Well, we need justice for Ed Cody. Edit it back. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, our friend Zach from Rubber City Toys. Hey, the indie wrestling guy Zach here. Um, first off, was I mistaken last week? Did Sean Mason categorize Eminem as classic hip hop? Because, like, <laughs> that's, a, that's a jerk move, right? I mean, like, I know I'm old. Jerk move. Like, I, don't, I don't need you to, like, say it. Like, that's super rude, right? Uh, anyway, <laughs> question for, for everyone this week. One of the running things that I noticed was that uh, everyone part of Fresh Meat, all these students, they're, like, busy with a million things, right? School, wrestling, wives, girlfriends, jobs, I don't know, other stuff. Anyway, my question is this. Um, is there ever an issue with the students prioritizing wrestling? I mean, obviously, they're grown-ups. So they can do what they want to do, right? But as myself, a person that does way too much probably means I'm not doing everything to the best of my ability. So, I don't know. How's everyone prioritizing? So, all right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. I could jump in here. So, yes, there is sometimes it's an issue with some of the students that uh, don't prioritize it. Um, the one issue that we used to have in the academy is um, driver license. Not um, not everyone has driver license in the academy, so they have to prioritize scheduling their um, ways to and from shows now because that is mandatory for every student. 
Prioritizing is such a good question. It comes back big, really big to kind of what I talked about before, where the moment you come into school, I kind of give you the ultimatum of, you know, there's two kinds of wrestlers. Neither one of them is bad. You just got to be true with yourself to what you want to be. Um, you can be, like I said, the, the weekend warrior guy that does a couple of shows a month, thinks it's cool, is happy, is living on a childhood dream. Or you can be the guy who says he wants to get signed. I don't want you to be in the middle or to say you're A when you're actually B, etc. But I will say that if you want to get to the highest level of this, just like any other professional sport, any other profession, um, it's got to be an eat, live, breathe, sleep kind of thing. And I think that like, and Derek can probably expand upon this for himself, but like, I think when Derek came to the school, he was happy being the weekend warrior. He was really pumped to be wrestling a couple times a month, you know? Um, and I think that at some point, maybe being around me and being around the entire AW environment, it kind of shifted him into this entirely different person uh, of, as to what he wanted to get to. Um, me and Josh Bishop have this talk a lot, and we've had this talk since he was an 18-year-old kid who was driving to practice with me because we live five minutes away from each other. Um, I have had in the last, what is it, 2023 now? In the last four years, I probably had two or three mental breakdowns where I asked myself, am I prioritizing this crazy thing too much? Like, I can tell you that my family, if it's a family event that's not Christmas, my family, like my more like distant family, a big Italian family, does not see me. They follow me on, you know, social media. They're really excited about everything I'm doing, but they're like, hey, are we ever going to see you? And I said, probably not. I said, Christmas is the only time I can guarantee that. And like for a small example, in 2019, I was doing Beyond Wrestling every Thursday because they had a storyline for Kevin and I where we were wrestling every Thursday for Beyond. And one of those Thursdays was Thanksgiving. And I remember in 20, 2019, my Thanksgiving was spent at a TGI Fridays with Matt Justice and Kevin Koo. And we just kind of laughed at the whole idea and the premise of it. And then I remember I had to wrestle the day after Christmas and I considered flying out Christmas night because it was cheaper. And I remember my sister who I was living at the time said, if you fucking do that, we're going to all fucking kill you. Um, so it's all, it's a big prioritization thing and you have to prioritize to kind of what you want your goals to be. If you want your goals to be, I want to be top level indie wrestler. I want to be signed. I want to work for AEW. I want to work for ring of honor. I want to work for the WWE. Then it's an eat, live, breathe and sleep thing. Like I can just, I'll, I'll mirror you into my life for a week. Mondays, I wake up in the morning and I go to work. I work usually 9, 9 a.m. to 3.34 p.m. I go right to the gym after. I spend two to two and a half hours in the gym. Usually I leave there. I come home. Maybe I eat dinner. Uh, then on a good Monday, I'll go to jiu-jitsu. I'll come back. I'll shower. I'll eat again. I'll go to bed. Tuesday, and this is so in a non or in a Josh Prohibition world, Tuesday, same thing as Monday, but I leave work at four. I don't get off work before four on Tuesdays. Gym, cook dinner, shower, pretty much bed. If it's a not, if it's Josh Prohibition type deal where he's not teaching, like last Tuesday where he was sick, I go to work. I leave work at four. I then drive the hour to Cleveland. I teach two classes. I leave. I stop at the gym on my way home to lift for an hour and a half. I get home at 1130. I then have to shower, cook, go to bed, go back to work the next day. Wednesday is my usually only free day where if I don't go do jujitsu, I just get to go home after work. Thursday is the same as that Tuesday where I lift after I go teach because that's the only time I have time. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday is usually spent traveling. And if I have a Sunday where I'm not traveling, I take that as my rest day. But 
that's the way it's got to be. And, you know, other prioritization things that I, I, I kind of tell the kids, like Derek and I are kind of, it's, it, it's kind of a jaded thing and it sucks for the school that they can look at Derek and I and like, Derek and I aren't the most aesthetically like in shape dudes in terms of like, looking at our bodies. We both got kind of big bellies, but our work, our look works for us in a way that it's not going to work for everybody. So, you know, we're very, I have to be like, have this talk. And I usually let Josh Bishop have this talk, because he's a psychopath about, about <laughs> um, and to have them ha- have him have the talk. Like if you're big now, you need to work on getting small now. Like you need to lose weight. You need to get in shape. Like working out needs to be a thing. And you got to prioritize that gym time. You got to prioritize that diet. We all fucking love fast food. We all love going out to eat with our, with our significant others, our partners, everybody, but you got to know how to eat. And that's why like, I kind of push everybody to this Eric Stevens ebook that he just put out about how to eat healthy when you're on the road or when you're having like, when you're, when you have to go to a restaurant and you can't make your own food, um, things like that. I really stress to the kids getting a personal trainer or getting a workout plan or talking to somebody that can put you together with a workout plan, things like that. Uh, prioritization is just the biggest key if you want to be successful in wrestling. You have to successfully prioritize everything to think about it as your career. And then lastly, I probably tell everybody this too. You have to prioritize wrestling in terms of your day job. You have to have a day job that's going to be cool and willing to let you travel, willing to let you, you know, get off work and go right to, you know, training or a show. Like when I started training, I worked for a company called Mosaic, who was a Samsung sale. It was like a Samsung sales job where I was housed at a Best Buy. I wanted all my weekends off and they said, you cannot have that. So I then went and found a new job. Um, that new job was no weekends. And I worked at that job ever since I started wrestling. Um, I've worked my way up through that company and they're, you know, extremely supportive of my wrestling there. They give me time off. Hell, my boss is the reason we got the North Canton street festival. <laughs> you know, he's the one who put us into contact with them. Um, you know, which then got us Wadsworth. So, you know, you just got to find an employer that's going to work with you. And I can't tell you how many times I've had kids, but I can't make to practice, got work or this, or that. And I said, well, I said, you know, if this is something you want to do, you got to find a job that's going to be cool with it. I think that's, that's, I was going to ask you that. And that's a good where like full circle, almost how you, how, what, what you just said. I mean, I know you and Derek both have, you know, your day jobs, but mm-hmm. you're both on the road and you both do a ton of work for wrestling. So wondering where you have time to slow down ever is probably not a, not the right question to ask, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think listening to some of these young guys who are telling us about their priorities and um, you know, I might not be at this show because I have work. I might not be at that show because I have that, you know, those things are, you know, always taken into account, I guess, as a, as a detriment to how far you want to go in the business. For sure. Another big thing I think that when it comes to prioritizing thing is you have to have interests outside of wrestling. Um, something that's going to be keeping you kind of grounded and outside of wrestling. Uh, so for an example, like Derek, massive Cavs fan, we'll go to Cavs games. We'll do a lot of stuff like that. You know, that keeps him kind of going outside of wrestling. Uh, for me, I've always had Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as an outside hobby. Uh, I kind of get to shut down my wrestling brain for, you know, however much time I do that, or if I'm going to a tournament with my, with my team on that really get to shut down the wrestling brain. Um, I I'm a big movie guy. I love to go see a movie because I get to shut my phone off for a few hours, which means I'm not checking Twitter. It means I'm not worried about the group chats that all deal with wrestling. Like I went and saw a man yesterday. It was an awesome two hours of just being able to just shut my life off. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's a really important thing that I would tell all young wrestlers is make sure you guys have interest outside of it. For me, like I tried to take as few bookings on Sundays during football season as possible. Um, I mean, I'm not going to turn them down, 
I mean, like hell, I was gone for two weeks in another country during football season, uh, which to me is like fucking crazy because I love football so much. Um, but you know, football season, I try to focus on like Sundays are at a big, cool NFL days for me. Like me and Eric Stevens will just talk about, you know, daily fantasy football and, you know, football in general all day. And those were always good days to just shut the brain down. And I think that you have to have an activity or hobby that shuts your brain down from wrestling because one of the other big things that once you become a wrestler, you can't be a fan anymore in the traditional sense of being a fan. Um, you watch wrestling differently. You don't really get to be that mark like you were before, as they would say, uh, because you have to watch wrestling in a different way. You have to see what's working with crowds, what match structures are, things like that. It's it's completely different. Um, and I, I try to stress to the kids to be like that, but then I try to stress to them, there are times where you guys can be fans again. Like I think I tell the kids every year, I said, when you guys watch WrestleMania, just be fans watching WrestleMania uh, because you guys are not going to have 30 minute matches in front of 70,000 people very often. So be a fan, be a mark during that moment. But you got to remember when you're watching TV matches, when you're watching anything else, you got to kind of bring it back to, well, I'm a wrestler now. So uh, thank you so much for, for taking the time tonight to, to talk with us and go over all this. Um, Anything you guys want to plug before we uh, head out? Any shows? Anything going on for you guys in the next couple of weeks? You wanna you wanna plug? Uh, Derek, you can start, and then I'll go second, I guess. Yeah, that's cool. Um, obviously the two one six show. Um, at the end of March, that's obviously really big. Xbox going to be there. It's the new AIW Cleveland home. Um, March twenty fourth, right, Dom? Isn't that the date? Or twenty third? What's 24th. the date? March twenty fourth. Yeah, March twenty fourth at Temple Live. Um, Cleveland free parking, uh, which is a big boon. Um, sorry about the Ticketmaster fees. We did our best. We apologize. If you have any friends in the Cleveland area though, that can go buy tickets at the box office. You actually don't have to worry about those fees at all. Um, I can tell you right now, I know the card for this show. Um, I, I know that a lot of people have asked for these AIW cards to kind of go back to the olden days, the Mount Carmel days. And uh, it's funny that we talk about fresh meat because we've spent so much time focusing on students, but a lot of this card is bringing back the old Mount Carmel days that people watched. And, you know, the, this is what would be the equivalent of a super card. Like I just saw Pedro last night to drop him off a hoodie. And he said, don't even care about the budget on this show. I'm so excited for it. Um, I can tell you that, you know, Derek and I both have very, very cool matches that I think people are going to be very excited for. Um, the card together is awesome. Uh, Sean Waltman does not come to this area very often to do meet and greets. I know, I think butters, you said that's one of like your top level ones. Yes. Um, so we're very excited to have Sean Waltman here. Um, yeah, I'm just really excited about two one six. I think that over the next few weeks, when this card comes out, you guys are going to be like, Holy shit. They, they fucking went big style for four. I've been hearing stuff like that. I had to buy ringside this time. Uh, I've been talking about how I just been going GA, but I went ringside. I didn't care about the ticket master fees because I need to be ringside for whatever crazy shit you guys pull out. You guys don't, you guys don't hype stuff. That's not something big. So I know when you guys are hyping it, that it's going to be worth whatever you're hyping. So I'm very, very excited for whatever this is. So. And that company who had done a meet and greet with Sean Waltman, like he did Dokity Con a few years ago, highly recommended. Love that dude. Derek, nice. I got more to plug still, though. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I have a lot of stuff on social media. Um, I don't need to get into all my uh, Pittsburgh dates that I have coming up because um, I have so many of them. Um, I mean, I have IWC. I'm, this is the next day after 216. I'm real pumped for. 
I don't know what I'm doing. All I know is I'm driving X-Pac from Cleveland to Pittsburgh, which is going to be nice. pretty rad. Um, yeah, pretty yeah. You got Enjoy um, on the 4th, right? Yeah, I have Enjoy on the 4th. Thank you, Butters. I yes, appreciate I will, you. I, I will be um, there for that. So I have Enjoy. Um, Dom, sadly, is not going to be at Enjoy. Um, he did not get fired. He is still <laughs> actively um, wrestling for Enjoy. Um, Josh Bishop, <laughs> not, Josh Bishop, West Barkley did not get fired. They're still actively wrestling. Enjoy. Budgets, just budgets. Uh, <laughs> budgets anymore. Um, but yeah, I have Enjoy. I have IWC. I have AIW. I have Wrestle Rex, which is um, Corey Graves' brother's promotion. It's in Pittsburgh. They're going to run um, the Rex Theater in Pittsburgh, which is pretty sweet. That is the day before two one six. So um, yeah, that's that. I mean, I have other stuff, but I don't need to advertise a month in advance. So we're good. Great. Um, obviously two one six March twenty fourth. Uh, this coming weekend, I have a extremely busy weekend. Um, Friday I'll be in C. I'll be in uh, Ottawa for C four. Uh, Saturday, I will be in Raleigh, North Carolina for Deadlock Pro Wrestling, one of my new favorite places to work. Um, DPWLive.com. They put the shows up a week after, but they are going to do some live shows this year. Uh, Sunday, I will be in Worcester, Mass for Beyond Wrestling, uh, defending the IWT tag titles with Koo. Uh, then I believe I actually have the following week off, which is awesome. That's just, the rematch, I, right, Dom? You and Kua versus uh, Miracle Generation. Generation. Mm-hmm. Yep, that'll be the rematch. So that'll be live on IWTV Sunday at 7. Uh, very rare independent wrestling appearance from Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, on that show as well. So there's a lot of really good stuff on that card. Uh, Drew and Beyond have put together a very good stacked Sunday night card, which there's no football. So hopefully people, you know, tune in for that. Uh, as we said, we've got 216 coming up. Um not for me, but I, I don't know the date, but I know Koo is wrestling Christopher Daniels coming up for Time Bomb. As well, they have an awesome card with like Badger Briggs versus Damon Spriggle and Nora Barbed Wire. I think they're doing Eric Cannon versus Cole Cabana on that card, which is like an 06 indie dream match for me. So a lot of really cool stuff on that card. Um, I've got more deadlock for next month. I have got, I'd have to look at my schedule, but we got a lot going on. Um but big focus definitely on two on six for us. Um, anybody, obviously, if you're listening to this and, and you want to kind of maybe jump into the AIW Wrestling Academy, uh, you can email me directly, uh, Dominic at AIWrestling.com. Um, I will give you all the information regarding the school. Um, you do that. Um, then, as always, there's the old, you got to plug the merch. Um, dgreeny.bigcartel.com is for all of my singles merch. And then if you guys are interested in Violence Forever merch, we have at vifmerch.com. After this weekend, we are going to update the VIF site probably with uh, those rally towels that we just got made, the double-sided shirts. um, And then we've got some other designs in the pipeline. I have one of my old shirts I'm re-releasing to update that I'm now a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as opposed to a purple belt. So a lot of cool merch coming out, but uh, just keep supporting all these kids that come out of the school because as obviously we've talked about their reflection of Derek and myself and Josh prohibition and the kind of hard work and countless hours that we put in to the Academy, uh, the countless hours that we spend re- responding to these guys' questions and just kind of helping, you know, their, their careers out. So just keep on supporting those kids. Uh, one, one more question. Oh, go ahead. Derek. I was going to say to piggyback off that, um, those kids, um give make sure you got you guys support them um you could look at them and you could say these guys suck why are they in matches there would be no me 
or Dominic Greenies if we weren't in that level. And me and Dom have worked really hard with these kids to get them at specific levels so they can be elevated. Um, so again, I can't yeah, trust for, with Dom. For so every much. for every Braun Breaker or like Darby Allen, these guys that didn't have a lot of like had next to no indie experience before they they kind of hit it big. There's everybody else, you know that you know, this is a grind and the more you guys support them. But I will say this, don't just buy a shirt to buy somebody's shirt because you want to support them. If it's a terrible design, you call them out on that because yeah, please <laughs> call them out on it, especially uh, our students. Yeah. Because we try to send all of our students to the best graphic designers we can, um, as well as, you know, kind of put them on the right path when it comes to merch and stuff. That's oh. a good idea. That's a good point. We love to tell them when they were on that they should get their merch game in check. So that's good. Quick question for you, Dom. Uh, is Southern Underground Pro ever going to come back again? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I think I just had this talk with somebody else last week. Uh, SUP is such a hard thing for Kevin, myself, and uh, Dylan right now because SUP was super easy when Kevin lived in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now that he moved. Yeah, yeah. Now he moved to Chicago. It's really hard because Kevin was the main source of promotion, things like that. Dylan doesn't live in Nashville, and we really don't have anybody that lives in Nashville. Obviously, like, Jesse would maybe be a person that could promote, but Jesse's so busy with the video store that we don't really want to put that on him. So it's also basement East has become increasingly difficult to get dates with uh, as they've become just rebuilt their as a music venue. They make so much on music that it's hard for us to find those. And we were trying to maybe run East side bowl where we ran that show SummerSlam weekend last year. It mm-hmm. all just matters. Um, we'd love, we want it to come back, but it's got to make sense and it's got to be, in the right area it's just everything's got to make sense so i know we had talks last week about a possible show but the only date we were given was like all out weekend and we didn't want to go and try to right. do that such the traveling crowd goes to that stuff so okay oh. i was just curious because like there was some stuff that was like <clears throat> getting set up there with alec price and everything and i was like wondering if we were going to get yeah. a payoff to it eventually well, we, yeah, I mean, don't worry. Every every story that we've ever told and stuff, there's a payoff to. And we were going to get to a payoff. It's just more of like the, oh, okay, well, everything kind of just happened and this kind of sucked <laughs> now. Um, and obviously, too, like we tried to tell some stories with, you know, the sub universe within Uncharted Territory when it was in Chattanooga. So it, it all just matter. Obviously, Alex still carries the remnants of what was the Bone Storm trial around his neck most shows. So. You know, our hope is that, you know, we're able to run some more stuff, but it's very difficult for Kevin and especially me now that he's moved as well as with how busy our schedules have been over the last year to make that happen. Right on. Well, thank you guys both so much for coming on and talking with us. We really, really appreciate it. Um, That is awesome. Thank you so much for giving us a couple hours tonight. Seriously. And the school is great. We look forward to all of it coming and, uh, Hopefully we'll have you on again when we do some more reviews and talk some more shit. So we appreciate it guys. Can I give a shout out before I sign off? Sure. Yeah, of course. I want to give a shout out to slick white, the hardcore pimp, um, <laughs> our power slam pro Jayhawk. Um, I really like that guy. I can't wait to meet him. I'm going to make sure I go to the next show. I don't think Dom's going, I can't. but it's I, on Sunday. I can't go this, this Sunday. Go. Yeah. It's this Sunday. It's it's, it's oh, slick God. white retirement show. I know I'm going. I can't wait. I'm <laughs> Well, you need to give me a play-by-play as I'm flying from Raleigh, North Carolina to Worcester, Mass. I'll buy you a shirt, a slick white hardcore pimp shirt. I, I will Number rock 69. that all the time. I haven't been there in like a year. Oh, oh I thought you were the rep. I thought you were up there. I'm sorry. I, 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 I have, but I haven't been there in a while. A few of the date started conflicting, and I just never got back to work in there. 
I know no. the Booker. I know the Booker. If I if I kind of want to go back, I'll be able to go back. But I, me, Doctor Dan, will be there Sunday, watching watching the game or watching the show. Nice. And that's it. That's my shout out. Be there. All right. Thanks, fellas. Thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. See you, boys. Bye. Bye. Later. All right, Jay Hawk, you want to bring us home? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to have to get up to work in like three hours. So <laughs> uh, you can, we talked about prioritizing earlier. I prioritized the podcast and I'm going to hate my go in the morning for it. But that's, uh, that's all of us. Let's just think, rock and think, roll it. Think about how much fun you had. Not I me. Did. I don't got to work, go work till 2.30. Ha ha. Think, think of what a pervert Stan from Burlington is. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, but uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Riff Jayhawk. Follow me on Instagram at Jayhawk1539. Follow me on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash ref Jayhawk. I'm probably not going to be on there much the next few weeks, but we got a new WWE game coming out in March. We got a new MLB game coming out in March. Well, I'll start getting on there a little bit more often once those come out. We got Resident Evil 4 uh, remake coming out in March. I'll be streaming that, not to jump in there. Well, go ahead go, go ahead and plug, Mark. Yeah, I'm done. on Twitch. You can find me on Twitch, Instagram, Twitter, and OnlyFans. E-Girl Fanboy, boy spelled B-O-I. Check out my other podcast, Exo, where we just dropped our episode for Fatal Fury. Re- Legend of the Hungry Wolf. It's such a fucking long name. And if you're listening to this the day this comes out, uh, tonight, I think around 7.30 or 8 o'clock, haven't figured it out. Charlie Butters is going to be joining us for hey. our live recording on Twitch for Postal. God damn, that movie sucks so much. I can't I, wait to talk I, about I it. I told you. I told you it's the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Uwe Boll should be okay. hung from the Hollywood okay, sign look, for making that film. This wasn't my pick, technically. Just, just to exonerate I'm not blaming you. I'm just, I'm just saying I wanted to come on to talk about Street Fighter with Jean-Claude Van Damme, and I got sucked into this movie instead for right oh, now. Oh, and my this is God. How this is how you earn your stripes to get, to get the upside you want. Apparently. Uh, you could, uh, well, let's see. What do I got going on? Uh, Charlie underscore butters on Twitter. Uh, if you catch my grift, I don't know when the next episode's coming out. We check out their Patreon. It's $5. There's some, a bunch of fun content on there in the meantime. Plus, uh, you get access to the Discord, a bunch of cool stuff that way. Uh, that's all I got, Josh. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at jgold12. Um, shout out to my buddy, Iron Fist Fitness Dan. He uh, gave me a PS5, so now I can join you all uh, in your gaming. Marcy, we can we can play some of these new games. If there's anything co-op, I'm, I'm in. I'm in late at oh night boy. if we're going to play. Um, also, uh, thanks again to our, our, our pals, Derek and Dom. Uh, really, really good content. The school is growing and, and awesome. So <laughs> thanks, guys. That was, that was absolutely amazing. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to us. And, and, and our Twitter handle, uh, please check it out, IWGuide1. Don't go to IW Guide. That's not us. Don't forget about the merch store over at BrainBusterTees.com. I just got one of our sweater, our sweatshirts. It's big, cozy, and comfy. Wear our faces on your bodies. Our logo is the best in the podcast multiverse. Our podcast friends, At Odds with Wrestling, the super fantastic podcast. The card is going to change. The A-Show, Wrestling Cheers, X over with the Marcy. If you catch my grip with Butters, um, which might be on a hiatus, our other friends, JCP Designs, the official graphic designer of the Indie Wrestling Guide, uh, PWPonderings.com, Time Capsule Toys, Toy Hio, Rubber City Toys, Big Starts Brand, Set Tab Photo, and Smoke and Jay's Barbecue, the best barbecue in Ohio. That is all for me for this week after a long episode. I hope everybody enjoys it uh, when it comes out. Thanks so much. And in the word of Kevin Nash, did you know Luthic invented the Powerbomb? If it weren't for Luthic, I'd have four moves. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh my. What would his right. finish would have been? Would it have been the snake eyes? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Later, dweebs. Hey, anyway, hey, we'll be back next week. It's important to come in independent wrestling. Later. Man on cast, put a flame to a tar, walk around with a five round neck. Hey, Mankind got to deal with a new kind of mind. I'm a quick death wrapped in a threat. Hey, you tell these fuzzy little weak car bunny babies back up and get wet. Never mind where you draw the line. I got a mind for crime. It's all disrespect. I'm an oil rig fire with a flesh. You a lunchbox walking a wreck. Taste the treats from the lungs to the flesh and the neck. Who's hungry? The table's set. Go get it. Games the game that you can't run with it. Have fun with it. Enjoy and suffer it. Colonel panic. Terminal rushing. Empty the clip while your tape's still blocking the eye. The violent and villainous, we are the murderous militants. We are the pirates that hide on the island and later we wild and marauding and murdering merchantmen. We have been cursed by the curse. We shooting first on our turf. Pay us our proper respect. You pray for your God to end the perverse. He sent the worst of the worst. Every death demon dispersed. We put them all in the earth. We put them under the earth. We are the savages ravaging hell. Death in the end, we relish the smell. We are the hand of the Lord. We are the hand with the sword. Taking the heads of the faith. We are the sinners of faith. We are the faith of sleep. Murder of law. We should just murder a law. We should just murder 